Oh, what's cool? We this is I think episode seven, right? Which is apparently like, you know, seven. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> most. I guess your the average podcast lifespan. Lifespan is like seven. Well, we got plenty of like ideas here out, going, yeah. so <laughs> we're just getting started. Yeah, so I've got a. This is a crazy weekend for me. I've got um, this tonight. Tomorrow afternoon and evening, I've got photo shoot at Barrel House Z in Weymouth. I've got like three rescues coming, a uh, whole bunch of dog vendors. I'm doing the photography. Uh, that's for like five hours. And then Sunday, I've got uh, in Laconia, New Hampshire, the World Championship Sled Dog Derby. That's going to be exciting. So that's like. I don't know, the, <laughs> the big leagues is what it sounds like. So, so it sounds like you're going to be cold laying out. Yeah, I actually just <laughs> bought boots and, like, uh, winter, like, I don't know what you, I, like, they're called bibs. They look like pants. They got, like, overall suspenders. I look oh like, I'm going to look like a lumberjack, but. Oh, my goodness. Sounds like what uh, firefighters wear. Yeah, pretty much that, yeah. Uh, so that I can just lay in the snow in peace. <laughs> um. Which one? I'm I'm trying to think if I want to start with death or consciousness first. Um, I guess let's let's go with con. Uh, what do you think consciousness is? I know I know that's like an, a that's question a very that you hard can't like yeah, answer, answer like, but there's no answer to it. I'm curious just because I like the way you think it. So I'm just kind of curious on what I what think you about think. it. So mm-hmm. like because one thing I I kind of like, so we have we don't know exactly what it is, where it comes from, whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a million questions. Yet somehow, we've been able to master it with like anesthesia, which yeah. is like kind of crazy. Yeah, where we, we can, call it depths yeah. of anesthesia, where we can like figure out what level of anesthesia and a, a pet needs to be for you know. Basic, like just something quick and easy versus something that needs to be under anesthesia for like spay, neuter, dental, and then like obviously last anesthesia. Yeah. But it's just wild that we can like turn it on and off, but we don't know what it is. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Just yeah, what uh, do you think it is? Well, I do. F- I think consciousness. Consciousness is a little bit different than depths of anesthesia because, mm-hmm. you know, they're practically asleep and aesthetically. Um, so they, they're they not, like, at a plane where, I don't know if you've ever gone to anesthesia where you just go to sleep and then you wake up and you don't remember anything. That's yeah. kind of like the depth they're going at versus consciousness. Consci- I can't say words, you know. <laughs> Consciousness. There you go. Um <laughs> Where I still think we can, like, grasp and, like, process thoughts almost, like, dreams mm-hmm. almost is what, how I view consciousness. Like, you can you can grasp thoughts, you can grasp reality almost, but I think it's, it's different than um, anesthetic death where, you know, you go in and you wake up a couple hours later, no clue how it happened, they tell you to count down and you that's the last thing you remember yeah. type yeah. thing. I remember that um, very vividly. I had eye surgery once. Uh, uh, it was the most pain I've ever had in my life. 
Yeah, uh, up into your eye. I just gotta know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a so kind of a wild story. So back in like high school and college, I was big into BMX, mm-hmm. like the little oh trick, the bikes, yeah, trick bikes, yeah. Um. So one day, uh, I remember going up a ramp, and then I remember like getting up off the ground. <laughs> I don't really remember much in between. Um, I don't know how long it was, but uh, I'm pretty sure. I broke my back. I gotta, I'm gonna have to like Google the back condition, but I messed my back up. Oh, of course, my phone's not on silent. Let me put that on silent real quick because I'll get a phone call. Spondylo, spondy, spondylosis. Yeah, spondylolisthesis, a spinal disorder in which a bone vertebra slips forward onto the bone below it. So like my, my I don't know the the last vertebrae before my hips mm-hmm. is like pushed forward a couple millimeters and I have like a herniated disc. Oh, uh, I hit the back of my head, and I had immediately like a bunch of like you could see like blood like. That's not awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no helmet of course. I I wear helmets since then. Um, I always think we're invincible until we're not. So yeah, and the weird thing with my eye was my eye was totally my vision. Everything was fine. It wasn't until a year later that I finally went to a doctor. After this, I didn't go even. That, I got up and we just kept riding bikes. Like it was just another. I was, I was real stupid back then. Yeah. Uh, so he's you know the doctor's like you're lucky you didn't die. Yeah. You know we did an MRI. Been, uh, Bob Saget. Yeah. Oh, is that what happened? Well, that's what someone was saying today. Uh, I mean, I don't know rumors um, that he got hit in the back of the head, Mm. and that's why he just bled. Yeah. Yeah. Internally, I mean, you don't feel it when it's inside your skull until it's Mm -hmm. pressure and it's too late. Yeah. (laughs) You're out. (laughs) So a year later, I finally went to the doctor. The reason is because, uh, so at at college. I was like sitting in the back, not a huge classroom, but the blackboard, I'm like, I can't see shit. Even with my glasses on, I'm like, everything is weird. But if I blocked one eyeball, I could see fine. It didn't matter which eyeball I blocked. Right? So it's like, okay, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm, sw- I'm already th- I'm already <laughs> drunk off three sips. Uh, and so, so I was like, that's really weird. So... I started playing with blocking my eyes. I noticed there was like this almost lag. So like if I focused on like the tip of your wine bottle mm-hmm. and covered one eye and this eye is looking at it, when I'd cover my other eye, when I do that, It'd it's a pretty a seamless. But what was happening is this eye was looking over there. <laughs> it was completely crossed and kicked <laughs> oh. in. And so you could see there was like a literal delay and you could see my eye move over to like light itself and so i had double vision so anytime i was looking i was seeing double it was brutal so they had to they i think they sliced through on either why are you squirming people (laughs) stuff is so gross (laughs) Uh, either side of like you know the retina yeah is the white of the eye i assume eyes are similar to dogs is that kind of like the iris no that's well the middle is important but like the like Outside, you can just go right through, I think. Because I think they just cut. They went in, and they trimmed 
the muscle, basically the, the two muscles that control the one stretched and yeah. one was real tight. So they had to open it up and loosen the other. So I think they, I think they, this was forever ago. They took a bit of the muscle from this up one and put it in here, stitched it all back wow. up 45 minutes. In yeah. and out. <laughs> but I don't remember. I remember them counting down. And then it's almost like a literal movie trans scene transition where it's just, I'm just like, (laughs) just scream. It hurts really bad. My mom actually had, uh, the same surgery. She can attest that it is, uh, it is brutal. So diplopia, I think is the name of double vision. Uh, but yeah, so that uh, that's my experience with anesthesia. I've had a few other surgeries, but that was like the I think I just big one. But yeah, I mean, just there was no fight in it. No, you just like you're out. It was that's uh, and like I said, what's weird with that though, I feel is like with dreams and like sleep, I feel like I can feel the time passing. Yeah, I think I get that. But yeah. like with anesthesia, like I said, it, it literally felt like a jump cut. It like is, it was just yeah. like, doof, like whoa. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm assuming it's a similar for animals yeah, too. Absolutely crazy, yeah. So, um, but they get pre med, and we don't get pre med. So, <laughs> do uh, so w- what is death? Death, I think, used to be. I'm not a doctor. You're not a doctor, but you're more of a doctor than me. Death. All right, if you if your heart stopped beating, right, they used to consider you dead. But like, you can bring a person, you can bring a dog back. So like, heart beats not death. Is it a cumulative? Like, what, I think it's is a it cumulative. Brain? It's brain, heart, you know, nervous system. Like, yeah, what is that? Organs, everything combined. Okay. Um, mainly being, I think, death is, you know, the brain. In the nervous system, I think, which shuts down after your heart. Because, okay. um, I don't know, some euthanasia's pets tend to, you know, have a muscle spasm at the end. And mm-hmm. I, we always warn people before, I'm like, it's just the neurons in the brain firing off the last few, um, yeah, signals. So they may twitch, they may stretch, they may yawn. Like, it's very... It's just like the last, but I think it's that, do you think the brain trying to save it, not save itself, but like keep stimulation? I think it's stimulation and it's releasing the final stimulation. Like it's just giving its last kick, Mm -hmm. kick of the bucket. Let's say that. Um, and then, you know, you could almost think of the brain having its own heartbeat and that's it. Like exactly. Usually the heart will stop before the brain. I don't know, you know, every animal is different, but, you know, they're pronounced dead when their heart stops, but that la- it usually is, like, within a minute or two. Okay. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, what exactly is the procedure like? So... If you want, if you could go start to finish, just because... Yeah. You yes. know, instead of, I guess instead of starting at the end, let's, I guess, start yeah. at the beginning. Oh. Um... Well, euthanasia, what to expect is, you know, obviously the doctor will go over it with you individually in the room because some doctors do different procedures um, for euthanasia. 
in their pro- own protocols, and different hospitals have their own anesthesi- um, euthanasia protocols. Um, you have to be an anesthesi- anesthesi- uh, anesthesiologist yeah. to administer in the so pet world? No, but only veterinarians can administer euthazol. It's, um, oh, is that the name of the... F- yeah, there's uh, euthazol, um, fatal... Plus is another one. Is it? <laughs> it's yeah, a couple. They're real. They're real uh, I know. I, it's weird to think that there's different brands of yeah. euthanasia solution. So that name, um, they're just right. Yeah. Uh, is that a liquid? It is a liquid. Yep. Um, so what to expect is normally in normal euthanasia situations, not every situation similar because you know emergency versus um, you know prepared. Did in this of a euthanasia so like say straightforward standard old pet mm-hmm. quality of life poor or like a car hit hit my that's dog. like a more of an emergency type yeah. um and if that's we'll discuss that later too so i have a whole i got oh, <laughs> yeah. um what we typically do for the standard process we'll go in go over the process what to expect um you know if they've never experienced euthanasia before we go over you know what we're going to do so the owner's prepared. Usually um, while the owner goes and they typically pay before, depends on the hospital again. So that way you don't have to like wait in line after and stuff. So we'll send them out to go check out, choose their options for like burials versus cremation versus other. Um, and we'll go in and uh, give a pre-med. So there's a bunch of different pre-meds. Um, so tealazol, ketamine. Um, I know that one. <laughs> not from personal, like, not from personal use. Guys. <laughs> Chill. Yeah. Um, domator, which is dex domator. Um, each one have the has different like effects. All is anesthetic death. Death. So each of those will cause the pet to fall asleep. Um, so the owner will go pay. Um, they'll come in, we'll give the injection. Um, while they're paying, we'll put a catheter in, so that way they don't have to witness that. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Sue and I, <laughs> Sue, Sue's going to thank me because we're both on the same boat here. <laughs> we're both very confused about that term. Is that shorthand for just IV? Yeah, so it's an IV catheter, so it gives you direct line access to the vein. Okay. Yeah, so we'll shave a little spot, put the catheter in. Um, because, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. The only time I've ever heard that word is any time I've heard of Like a urinary catheter? <laughs> yeah. No, this is a, a different okay. type of catheter. Okay, so that's just, uh, okay. just shorthand. Okay. Yeah, so a urinary catheter gives you direct access of the bladder, and then uh, IV catheter gives you clear access of an IV <laughs> vein. Right, uh, intravenous is what IV means, but... Okay. Um, so we may, depending on the pet, if it's anxious, may give it a little sedative beforehand, but the owner is obviously aware and, you know, prepared. And then if it's not anxious, we can usually just get a catheter in. Um, then they go back into the room. Uh, everyone and what's the catheter giving them at this point? The Access to the veins. So when we give the meds, you know. Oh, so that, okay. Yeah, so um, we'll give them the sedative. So that's just sort of like hanging uh, no, it's um we have it taped. Okay, or taped, but like taped. it's just sort of like it's plugged into them, but nothing's plugged into it yet. 
Exactly. I mean, it has a plug at the end that you insert a needle into. Um, and it's taped right, down. It's basically and then, a funnel into the vein. Yeah. Exactly. Um, some catheters will have extension lines, so we can give the owner a little bit more space. We don't have to be, like, up in its face. Um, just depends on the hospital and what they have for catheters. Uh, so, like I said, we give them a pre-med. Like I said, usually telazol, ketamine, dex, um, and that will cause anesthetic death, depth. I don't want to death and yeah. depth. D-E-P-T-H. Exactly. Um, each one of those has their own um, properties. Teal is all being very strong um, for causing anesthetic depth. Um, and then, you and know. What, what exactly does that mean? So they're falling asleep, and it's a very deep one, so it's not easily awoken or, um, sti- like, stimulated out of that depth. I think I've heard of rapid eye movement sleep REM sleep like that yeah that's that super deep deep sleep okay um they're like cousins I would say maybe because one's uh medical chemical and the other is you know natural sometimes um ketamine uh is another one okay so they're not getting up from the no no typically not unless you you know wait longer than the you know the body wears it off you know each one's a little different just Mentally shutting them off. So, yeah, it's right. like... Because uh, you said they can still kind of have spasms. Yeah, so depending on the youth is all, too. Um, I'll go over that in a bit, but it has different properties that help prevent that. Um, the The pre-med is just mainly to have them go to sleep. Um, we warn people that, you know, their eyes don't always close. That's very common. Um so typically everyone's like, oh, can you close their eyes? I'm like, you literally can't. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it, even afterwards, it's oh, just, really? yeah. Um, it's just something that the body does. You can't, we'll, we'll try to close them and they won't stay closed. And it's, I'm like, sorry. <laughs> um, and then, as I mentioned, ketamine, another really good anesthetic death. And um, also has pain relief qualities to it. So if it's an older pet that seems to be more painful, Ketamine is a good option. It's usually more restricted, so not a lot of hospitals use it because it's a uh, abuse drug type. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can imagine like liability there. Yeah, Someone's there's a lot of paperwork and yeah. <laughs> everything's locked up like three times over. But um, there's just a lot of paperwork and stuff for that. And then Dex is also a good um, pre-med sleep and pain relief qualities. Um, but I think the most common I see is at my hospital, at least, is telazol, um, because we don't see a lot of pets coming in for you know painful reasons. So is is I know at this point your pet is not dead. No. But essentially, that's goodbye right there. No. So that, like I said, your the body will process that and it will wear off over time. Okay. So if you give the body time the pet could wake back up. Okay. Um, but or what I mean is, because um, obviously you're going to follow through now with the euthanasia. So, like, essentially, though, like, that's the last time you can, like, you know, get your kisses, get your... Yeah, because you know, they're right? not like going to be awake. On, yeah. It's, it's that... Okay. Yeah, because they're, they're asleep at that point. They're not feeling much. Um, and then... I'm just thinking of the future. And this is uh, don't don't think about it now. That's me. why you can't think about it now. 
Um, As we talk about it for two hours. (laughs) (laughs) I know. After this, we'll forget about it. Drink more. Um, (laughs) And then they push, uh, the doctor warns you beforehand, obviously, that they're going to give the youth this all. Um, We usually give owners time until they're ready to be like, okay, we're ready. We'll ask them how much time they want, and we'll come and check in the tech um, and ask if they're still ready or if they need more time because obviously it's like it's not a rushed process. It never should be rushed. You should never feel rushed unless it's like an emergency situation where your pet's suffering type of thing. It's like absolute misery. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the doctor will come in usually with or usually without a tech because it's like a you know just last minute. More people in the room just feels you know you don't want to make the owner feel uncomfortable and um do you ever feel uncomfortable no um i feel at this point i'm very comfortable with it um i feel i'm very good at giving my condolences um for euthanasia the thing is you yourself can't be emotional you can't be crying in front of the owner because just like because they're already yeah they're already right yeah they're already they need someone to be strong in the room with them so that way, afterwards, you can kind of support them um, mentally and, you know, help them leave the room. And Do even the men who have cried twice in their entire life, do they cry on the, that day? Yeah, I, I find a lot of guys cry, and I, that, I feel it gets me more than women because we tend to be a little bit more emotional. So seeing, like, a ruffled, gruff guy crying over his tiny little chihuahua, you know, it, it gets you, but again, you got to be strong. You can't be crying. You can't be emotional. You got to be strong for the pet and the owner. Um, the the euthazol or fatal plus, depending on what the doctors use, um, it, use a, it uses a pentobarbital, um, which is the active ingredient. Um, and then uh, I can never pronounce it. Fenny, Fenny, I can't. It's the other active ingredient. Um, but the, the phenobarbital slows the brain and the nervous system down. And then the phenytoin, phenytoin, <laughs> I can't say it. Let's just say that. I'll, I'll, I'll Google it <laughs> and I'll put the word. Yeah. It's, um, right here. it's an anti-convulsant. So like I said, a lot of times you won't see that muscle spasm because of the anti-convulsant in it. And this you're talking is in the actual anesthetic, not the no. It's in pre-med. yeah. It's in the actual youth is all euthanasia solution. Um, so it's kind of they're working. They're the two active ingredients, and you're pretty much just overdosing them on that, and that shuts down the so body. Goes into the IV catheter. Yep. Through. Yep. And then we give a flush to flush it through, um, and then it, it's usually within fifteen to sixty seconds. Um, that a pet will pass. Um, so it's really and quick. So it's just bloodstream right to the brain? Right through the heart, and the heart pumps heart. it through the rest of the body. Yeah. So it's very fast. It's very quick. It's painless. Um, like I said, the muscle spasms, in, uh, sometimes they even make noise because it's the muscle spasm in the throat, and the, the, lung, the lungs are getting compressed, and so the air is getting pushed out, and they may make a little noise but they don't feel it because of all the, the med, pre-meds and the youth is all, and they don't feel anything um, unless stuff was improperly given. And the only reason, like, a doctor should 
get more euthazole is typically if the pet already has bad cardiac deficiencies or circulatory deficiencies, and it's just taking a little longer because of the circulatory system not pushing that through the body. Usually they'll get a little more and give it to. That doesn't mean your pet's like feeling stuff. Um, it just means that the pet has bad circulatory um, issues, and that's usually very frail old animals or so you know. What's pets. a regular dose of this medicine? So Is it's it by smaller? weight. Okay. Um, I think it's a mil per ten pounds or something like that. So it's not like this a crazy amount of. No, though a hundred pound dog can get ten mils. Um, usually doctors will go over that just to be safe. So a 100-pound dog, they may give, like, 15. This would kill a human? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what they use for... Um, oh, prisoners? Prisoners. They use uh, Profifol, which is the magic milk to put you to sleep. And they push the, the barbitals and all the fun stuff to make you feel that. So... They're getting a painless euthanasia as well. Yeah, yeah, they're treated like animals right up until death. I see. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, so pretty much the I same. Do, I do personally, real quick, uh, political take, I do feel bad for a lot of prisoners. Those conditions are, I watch a lot of prison oh, like really? stuff and the conditions. Oof. I mean. I don't think I have an opinion about it right yeah. now. Just because I don't know much about yeah. it, I like to know things I mean, before making it. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, I think obviously petty things like marijuana and yeah. stuff should be forgiven for the people who are in jail for a very long time because of it. But that's it's just crazy to think about. Like the crimes now are very different than then, and the punishment and stuff like that. But I don't have a like very much knowledge about it so i can't make an informed decision on how i feel about our prison system yeah but they're not treated great and it's just interesting <laughs> that you know because that's the you know a lot of times it's like oh we're treated like animals and it's just funny that like oh the same thing we put our animals down with they're putting <laughs> it's just, that's just interesting yeah well if we want it painless hopefully yeah, no, 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 it's yeah. not a bad thing yeah <laughs> Um, it's better than the electric chair. Like, let's let's be real. I'm getting fried. Oh my, that I don't. I think that's Can barbaric. You Holy yeah, crap. We don't even do that for animals. So <laughs> yeah, thank God. Yeah. it's like literal punishment. That's that. I feel like that's more punishment than and and retribution or like yeah. vengeance than. I mean, I guess I would get it for like the really bad crimes, like rape and murder yeah. and stuff like that. But pedophilia, ugh. ugh. Yeah. People are gross. I, people are fucked up and gross. <laughs> yeah. This is why I like animals. <laughs> yeah, animals. They're, they're great. <laughs> um, all right, so that's going through the body. Yeah, so that's just, like, the process. Um, obviously, you're... Wow, that's, will, just, that's just crazy how yeah. quick... It's really quick. And small, like... That's wild. Yeah. It's quick, painless, and it... Obviously, your doctor will go over that with you more thoroughly than my brief synopsis of this, um, what to expect, what to be prepared for, type of stuff. Um, and I, you sign stuff that you understand that, too, because people, there's crazy people out there, you know, like, you killed my pet. And I'm like, you brought it in for euthanasia. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the point. <laughs> um, some people just aren't ready to let go, and they're like, okay, we're ready, and then they change their mind after the meds just are like in and out, in yeah. and out, in and out. Yeah. You know? I'm like, it's, we've already pushed the youth is all, your pet is dead. 
And I do feel for them because, again, you know, it's very emotional and stressful. And you just got to be, again, strong for the, the owner. Um, and Have you ever heard of group? Cremation. Or, like, group euthanasia? I Someone was telling me about the the other day where, like, it'll be, like, a group of people with, like, dogs that all get together and, like, have them. Have you heard? Okay. No. Okay. No. I forget who was telling me about There's this. I was like, what the heck? Who would want to do that? <laughs> no, that's just I a little weird. private. Like. Yeah. Uh, There's <laughs> group cremation where your pets euthanize and all the ashes go together with that's other people's what it was. pets. Yeah, and you might not get, okay. You don't yeah, get your that's a- what you You pick that. You okay, know. yeah. We, uh, Some people don't want the ashes back. They don't want the, you know, the constant reminder, especially if the pet, like, went downhill fast and it, yeah. or, or it was a long and painful journey to get to that decision. Okay. Some people don't want that. They just want, like, the collar or a paw print. They don't want the ashes, um, which is understandable. That's totally fine. Um, Why do it with a group, though? Can't you just do the cremation and not keep the ashes? Well, it's so you don't go with a group of people. Okay. So you go in privately okay. for a euthanasia. For, my under, for some yeah. reason, I thought it was like I had to think about that for a second. I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. No, uh, you go in and do it privately, and then um, okay, your pet is sent to the crematory where then it's maybe like, this person was like a super hippie into some real weird. Yeah. From my uh, understanding, they're telling me like you know like five different families with five different pets would come together and like. Oh, my God. I don't think I've ever heard that in my it's life. Like, that sounds like the most barbaric thing no. ever. <laughs> I want, like, me and, like, no, like, I don't know. I wouldn't want, I don't, is it usually just the immediate family? Yeah, usually, like, the household members of the kids. Sometimes. Is that touchy? So it, it, I think some parents want them to understand, and that's totally fine. I think they should understand that, you know, the pet's not coming back. Um, they don't have to be there for the actual thing, but I think they should get their chance to say goodbye mm-hmm. rather than the parent take the pet, you know, to the vet and then it just doesn't come back. Yeah. And they're like, oh, they're at a farm. Right, yeah. <laughs> or they're up in heaven. Classic excuse. You know, the farm. looking over you and they didn't get a chance to really say goodbye type thing, you know. Um, but some people are, are own. Some owners are very realistic and want their children to be realistic about the situation, and that is okay. We allow people to be present or not be present. That's, you know, up to them. I do believe, personally, that the owner should be present at least until the pre-med. They don't have to be present for the actual push of the euthanasia. That Youth is all. That's, that's totally fine, but I think they should be present for the sedation, the pre-med sedation, um, because... You don't want your la- pet's last memories to be frantically looking for you with strangers around them and it has no idea what's going on. I would think, you know, personally, and again, I would push this for a lot of people, you know, they don't know what's happening and I think you should support your pet. You got the pet until the very end, even if it's just until the pre-med where it Especially. falls asleep with those memories. Yeah, a lot of pets i feel don't like the vets it's like this traumatic it's very traumatic so it's very scary you know you want their last moment to be filled we're putting a catheter in and that's kind of ouchy and you know um some you know doctors just don't even do catheters they just do like a a 
a butterfly line, which is just like extended line to the um, the vein that's old school, um, which is totally fine. But they usually pre med beforehand. That's so it's just a different way. I just forgot to mention that. But um, I think you should be present at least until the pre med, and then you know that way the pet's last memories isn't fear. You know, yeah. and. That's why I think I, I feel so bad when the owners leave and the animals desperately looking for them and, you know, they don't understand what's happening. And do you think consciousness and do you think consciousness is tied to, do you believe in like a soul or anything? I do. I think we do have souls, spirits. I don't know what's beyond that. I, I told you I'm not really religious because it, it's just the science um, I'd like to believe there's something. I used to be as I a hope. teenager because I was like always getting bullied. I, you know, I had yeah. to be edgy, so I was always like, religion. Yeah. But I swear, as I've gotten older, I think I'm more sp- spiritual. Like I'd okay. like to believe in those things, but you know, just the science behind. There's no science behind it backing it. I don't believe in one specific religion. Mm-hmm. I believe we all believe there's something out there. Hopefully. Yeah. You yeah. Know. I'm very hopeful. Like I'm I used hopeful. to, yeah. I used to be adamant, like, no, once you're dead, that's it. Like, and I think that's a big so fear stupid. is that you're dead and you just don't exist. There's nothing. nothing I think that's like is, a big, that's yeah. a big fear for we a lot of people. Can't even literally imagine nothing. Exactly. A lot of people imagine just like black. Em- no, th- nothing is nothing. It's like it's nothing. You're like you just don't exist. Yeah. And but I would really love for that not to happen, but... <laughs> exactly, yeah. So I'm hopeful. And I used to be adamant that, like, no, blah, blah, blah. But now, as I've gotten older, it's sort of like... I hope well, it's a rainbow so bridge dismiss- and all my know? animals that I've ever had. My dogs, I want them yeah. to be there. Like, I want I want something. Exactly, yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful, you know. And so you think... So, yeah, if that... If that's something that transcends us, do you think other animals, yeah? I think it depends on the intelligence of the species, honestly. Because, I mean, they're, they are dogs. <laughs> they're not, they're, we can't, we always anthropomorphize. There we go. I don't know if I, s- <laughs> words here. Um, animals, and they don't feel the things that we feel the same way we feel them. You know, like we talked about last time, they don't think of the future. They think of the present and the past. Mm -hmm. Um, They're like, oh, that person abused me type of thing. Oh, men are scary. Um, Oh, this is my favorite person. Here they are. They don't think about when they're going to see them next type of thing. So I I think they feel things. they don't set up lunch dates like we do. They don't don't anticipate the way we do. Mm. And I think... They just don't understand, like, the the level that we do. I would like to think that maybe... Which is interesting. So, essentially, intelligence, though, intelligence can be maybe separate from the soul. Exactly. I think that's a really good way to say that, yeah. You know? Yeah. I, would, I hope, you know, souls, you know, carry over what you were mm-hmm. and, you know, the memory of what you are and what, you know your life but i don't think intelligence wise it carries over to that but who knows we don't know (laughs) we'll never know (laughs) there's literally no knowing unless there's some freaky deaky science that figures that out yeah um yes 
So that was a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to consider, you know, when deciding to have your pet humanely euthanized. I'll emphasize humanely. Um, obviously, letting your pet suffer is not humane. <laughs> um, or going outside the ethics of euthanasia, there are laws on how you can euthanize an animal. Um, and it's usually via vet um, or medical professional. Do you at home yourself euthanizing an animal? Um, there's that, like ethics and legality of it. Yeah, if I'm a so if it's like a food, Kansas, yeah, way out nowhere. Food animals are very different. Yeah, like if I, you know, if the whole, I don't know, the thing that comes to my mind is a horse breaks a leg and you, you know, yeah. I don't know why that, I think they do consider that ethical because it's quick depending on just like how people hunt when people go hunting they they try to go for the correct arteries obviously you know head heart um major artery things yeah Um, think think about this for a second think about how savage spear hunting is it's i find it very think about that uh, just like bullfighting. That's so like tribal. That's like people with woolly mammoths and spears. Yeah. And you're but bleeding you, you the animal th- out. You gotta think Oof. they also respected that animal and used every single body of their body and they gave thanks and prayer to those animals though. They respected that the, the life they were taking yeah, they also was gonna feed their family. Yeah. Like <laughs> but um, like if you like spearfish like today, it's like damn. Even I always wanted to get into bow and arrow hunting, but at the same time, I feel a little... Like, it's a little grizzly, I feel, and you got to be... It's like that gray line of, like, if you don't... If you're going to hunt, you should be able to hit your target in the where you want, so before actually you, neither hunting... neither of us are hunters, but, like, yeah. <laughs> this is just our strong opinions because we yeah. love animals. Um, <laughs> outside of falconry, I mean... It's a little hunting, but I, <laughs> um, that's an animal doing its own na- natural thing um, with me there to assist, to help end suffering, you know, type of situation. Um, I mean, hunting isn't completely negative. Like, no, when you it's have invasive feral pigs, it's like, all right. Yeah, it's not negative, but I don't always find it positive every single aspect. Um, I think if yeah, like done trophy hunting is pretty wild. It's like. wild, and I think it's, you know, depending on the requirements, because some of those tags or licenses they have to buy, the permits, um, they either enter a raffle, but they still have to pay, like, a pretty decent amount, and that goes right to funding for, you know, conservation. conservation. Yeah. So I don't, weird. it's like a, it's a twisted evil, almost, like a... I don't Shoot this know. elephant so we can get five more. It's like... Yeah, I mean... So you got to find, like, a happy medium almost. I think you need to be prepared to hunt what you're trying to hunt and be able to hit your target. So obviously practicing before you even go hunting. Don't go all fresh from the cloaca is what we call it, but it's a that's a bird uh, all in one. Are we the only thing that hunts for sport other than, like, house cats? Cats. <laughs> um, even large cats, you know. Yeah. I mean, they're obviously going to eat and take advantage of their food. Mm-hmm. Because starvation, they like, like play and they're weird. Yeah. Um, another animal that really I, f- I feel yes. I feel a lot of like 
learning for smaller animals is playing before they have to mature and actually hunt for themselves. And they, like, as, like, puppies, you know, they're running around biting things, chewing on things, jumping on frogs and, you know, eating grasshoppers and whatever they can find. Yeah, and they're, they're puppies or wolves or I think a lot of young carnivorous animals, it starts out as play as they mature, it turns into hunting because they're honing their skills as they play. Um, but I feel like we're getting a little off topic. <laughs> yeah, I know, sorry. We're getting in the weeds here. Yeah. Oh. Um, so Fun little tangent. Though. I know, yeah. <laughs> typical, typical. Um, obviously, we'll go back. Um, so me and euthanasia, um, going back, going to your vet, having a consultation, that's always allowed to, you don't have to like jump right to euthanasia. You can have a quality of life discussion with your vet. And I think it's important to have it with family members and friends because family members and friends will tell you their opinion from the outside view like of your animal. Unbiased. Exactly. Unbiased. Because obviously you're like clinging on probably for that last that little, little thing. Like, yeah. You know, and oh, that's a you reason can't we don't always have to. see, you know, what's in front of you. You see the pet that you used to have. You don't see the frail, malnourished animal that's in front of you now. Um, and, you know, it's totally okay to go have a discussion with your vet. And the vet's job is to tell you the facts. They, they won't lie to you. They'll tell you this isn't. This would probably be a good time to consider it. They'll tell you, I think maybe a little bit longer. I, you know, they won't tell you what you want to hear. Pretty much, they won't tell you to. Interesting. Actual question on that. Yeah. It's kind of. Okay. Not that one. Sorry. <laughs> oh, here it is. I had an interesting question. Yeah. Um, kind of in the topic of like recommending euthanasia or like not, you know, waiting a couple of days or whatever. How does recommending euthanasia affect the decisions that you as a vet tech or veterinarian make regarding the patient when the client chooses to keep trying for another day or two? Um it's kind of a long post, so I'll try to be quick. <laughs> I'm researching cognitive biases in veterinary practice. I know veterinarians want nothing more than to heal their patients, but it's hard to ignore the fact that the act of recommending euthanasia creates incentives for the veterinarian to not help the dog survive. Do you agree with that? Um, they... They're going to advocate for the animal is what I'm going to say about that. They're going to advocate for what they think is best. Um, They can't make the decision for the owner. Um, They can't force euthanasia on anyone, Mm -hmm. but they're going to make the recommendation based on what they feel is best. If people want to keep trying, you know, there's only so much you can try before being like you've tried everything. You can try second opinions. You can go else like the different um, specialists you can go further into diagnostics but they're gonna make their recommendations based off of your animal and again they can't force you to make a decision okay yeah that's fair enough um whether you think about this or not you'll have to deal with the fact that you recommended 
ending the life of a dog who may be still at a fighting chance. If the dog gets better after having recommended euthanasia, the clients will be glad they ignored your recommendation, and I'm sure that doesn't feel good. Trying to determine if this subconscious incentive affects how you treat the dog after having recommended euthanasia. So I think it depends on what's actually going on with the dog. You know, if it's something that takes a lot of long-term treatment, then go ahead. I mean, I feel a lot of times it's not that situation, though. It's usually very old pets. It's pets with, you know, things that they'll die and suffer at home. We're going to go back to that quality of life discussion, you know. Um you know, are you just keeping, again, the pet alive for yourself and not for the animal type situation? I think it's just mainly deciding, did this get pet, does it, does this pet get better for the treatment or is it just a quick fix and is it going to go downhill again? Again, you got to take into consideration what is actually wrong with the pet. Why are we even considering euthanasia? Why are we recommending it? Again, we can't push anyone to do our recommendations. We can only recommend them. Mm-hmm. Um, what the client does um, from there is they're obviously their decision. And, you know, obviously you want to make your pet better. But, again, are we keeping our pets alive out of the selfishness of ourselves for a quick fix? Or are we not? Um, interesting. I know. I kind of just threw that in there. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. It's okay. Yeah. Um. The rest of her question, she seems to be kind of, this person seems to be kind of trying to be like, trying to figure out if like, just because you recommend euthanasia, does that mean you like stop caring about? No. It's like. We never stop caring. Yeah. Um, You know, I think we almost cared as much, if not more than the owner, because we know the outcome in the long term. And seeing an animal that we grew up with at the vet clinic we see them since they were a puppy or that you know we've known long term or good friends with or you know we have some sort of connection to almost every single pet that comes in we remember pets before we remember owners (laughs) and the owners are like oh we saw you and i'm like i don't know who you are and they're like we're blank blank's pet and i'm like oh or owner and i'm like oh my god I'm like, yeah. how is your pet? I don't ask them how they are. I ask them how their pet is. <laughs> so we we care about the animal, and we honestly want what's best. Um, and, you know, we again, if we're making that recommendation, we don't make it lightly. Um, we're taking that to heart as well. And, you know, when that time comes, we're feeling that just as much as anyone else. Yeah. So it's, it's not just like an easy, quick, like, you know, hand wave solution. It's, yeah. It's never easy. Um, is it a thing for vets to send a sympathy card after? Yes. Okay. I find it's very, you know, it shows that we are compassionate. We do care about that animal. We always write one after every single pet. Um, at our hospital, we send a, a paw print. We'll do like a little ink paw print and, um, or a clay paw print, depending on what the owner decides what they want. Um, but oh, the actual, like their actual dog. Yeah. Uh, for like the bear, for like euthanasia status and stuff like that. But at the bare minimum, um, 
say they want group cremation, we at least send a pop picture, um, an ink paw print of their pet with a sympathy card to let them know we do care, we do sympathize, and, you know, the pet will be missed. Interesting, yeah. That's, uh, it was something that never crossed my mind, and I'm, I'm reading through, and it, I was like, oh, and I, interesting, because I've never gone through, like, so this is horrible. So I've, I've got Maisie was the first dog that I've ever had owned. I didn't own her. It was a family dog. I was, I don't know, like 2000, I don't know, probably like 2004 we got her. It was a long time ago. She's, she's passed away now. But a couple of years after her, we got a Yorkie who is still alive. I think she's like 17 or something crazy, but she's like on her last leg. And surely we rescued, and she's still alive. But with Maisie, oof. Maisie's tough because, so I was living, Sam and I moved out. We were living either here or in West Quincy. I can't remember, but it doesn't matter because my parents brought Maisie in to get put to sleep, and they texted me afterwards. So... A, that hurt, and B, this is all like, I don't know, because that's the only dog, and again, they texted me after they, hey, by the way, like, what the f- I I feel like when kids go away is when pet uh, owner, or (laughs) the parents tend to bring the pets in. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also, uh, we see a spike of euthanasias around holidays, because kids are coming home and, you know seeing the outside view of their pet that they saw before they left for school or before they went away for holiday or before they went away and coming back for holiday, they're seeing the quality of life of that animal. And we tend to see like the influx because, you know, they're talking to their parents and the parents are realizing and stuff like that. It's almost like the inverse of any time I'm at the dog park and there's a, say there's a new puppy in town. It's like every week I see them, it's like, whoa, they got bigger. And the owner's always like, oh, really? I didn't notice any. Exactly. Like, no, look, they got bigger. They grew up it's overnight. Like you kind of see that. Yeah. When I went away and came back from vacation and Fable mm-hmm. was. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you have fur. You're and a so real dog. So on the inverse, same thing. You go away and you come home and you're like, ooh. Yeah. You really like to start to see. Really. Yeah. Um, and not to sound morbid, but people are like, we don't want them in the family photos from Christmas. And because. You know, they realize if they send that out that people are going to see the actual quality of that animal and they realize, like, wow, the quality of the animal is very poor right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, you know, super important to realize. Are most of the, most of the euthanasias you do going to be from age or for the reason of age? Age or age-related related, related like, diseases. Yeah. Um, kidney, renal stuff, liver, internal organ functions failing. Um, Is it a low percentage of, like, emergency, like, middle-aged, young, younger dogs? Sadly, it's just, you know, I feel like I see every age group. Um, at the ER, I see every age group. Either it's time for the pet or can it comes do, in can for... Can you handle puppies? Is that tough? I'm assuming... I haven't done one myself. I... 
don't want to be involved with those just like behavioral euthanasias i trying to stay clear i uh, got i got oh one of those let's talk about that okay okay i actually haven't read the post yet i just grabbed it because of the title oh my gosh <laughs> In the title considering behavioral euthanasia help so i feel like this was like perfect like let me throw this by courtney because she's very against that i'm considering behavioral euthanasia for my dog and i could use some feedback because it's a pretty tough decision and i don't know which i don't know which way to go uh we'll call him doggo he's a nine to ten year old pit mix who i adopted about four years ago his first two years were great he and my other dog were bonded and they really did well together my first dog died two years ago and doggo really struggled he started peeing in the house getting uh and, and getting anxiety all of this was mostly managed he struggled some with anxiety and at and had some accidents in the house. Oh, sorry. For some reason, she's just rambling. So this is where we're currently at. Honestly, that doesn't... Sorry, just real quick. It's like anxiety and peeing in the house. Oh my God, you're going to kill it? Sometime in the last year or year and a half, he slipped his collar when we were sitting in the front yard of a friend's house waiting for a person walking their dog to go by. Ran straight to the dog and attacked him. No damage was done, and I wonder if that means there was no blood? Or if there was, because, well, I don't know. No damage was done, thankfully, but I still cannot identify a trigger to that incident. We took a reactive dog class, and he was okay for a, a long time. So it was a year and a half ago. In July, he attacked another dog in my home. This time, a 12-year-old blind pup. There was a toy involved. He did not release on his own. I had to literally pry his mouth open. The wheelbarrow and other methods I had been taught in class didn't do anything. I don't know what the... I assume that's maybe grabbing their legs. Their back legs? I don't know. You know, kind of like a wheelbarrow. Um... But so he did. So, so this this dog he did damage. She needed stitches for a puncture wound on her snout. Decided to put him in a separate room while I figured out a plan. The first day I tried to put him in that room by himself, he chewed slash dug at the yeah because he's bored. Attacked the walls, etc. He will do the same thing as he ever if he is ever put in a crate. Did some rearranging of things. He put the dog he attacked. All right, put the dog he attacked in the spare room. And I saw the vet. Just curious why this dog is still at the house. I know. It's like. Yeah. Yeah. This is an interesting. So, so far it sounds like she, they haven't done any training except for that one class yeah. years ago. And this they haven't a seen a behaviorist. They haven't gone to the vet for diagnostics on why, especially for like the urinating in the house. Yeah. And. Um, it's crazy how some people like don't care or don't notice some of those yeah like for me i'd be like what the hell is going on yeah and then what if you know your dog is triggered by certain situations why would you keep putting them in the situations if you knew it's not doing well Mm -hmm. um so i i feel like the owner shouldn't one because again i get i'm personally against them Mm -hmm. but it sounds like he's not going through the steps to 
do like an actual behavioral euthanasia where you rule out everything. I, I feel if you're going to do a behavioral euthanasia, you need to rule out everything. You need a personal trainer, not so they a do, class. So they, do go, they do mention going to a vet real quick. Sorry, this one's okay, so ahead. effing long. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, this one's real long, sorry. So I guess it'll be real nuanced. We'll see. Um, so, so after that, he went on Prozac and a common care supplement. They were slowly reintroduced and seemed to do fine. But then he started urinating more often. Uh, I'll try so it sounds like he needs um, Proen to my, he may just have, you know, the sphincter losing control of the urine. Mm. urinary bladder so and then about a month ago i got married and my husband moved in i understand this is a big change for doggo uh he did okay for the first week or two and then his behavior skyrocketed seemingly overnight Uh, obviously that's not enough time for a dog to get used to like someone new in the house but within five minutes of me leaving the house for work in the morning he's pulling things off of shelves and counters anything he can reach urinating in Large amounts. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Also sounds like diabetes to me. Yeah. A belly band? The push the um, urethra up against the body so they can't pee. Okay. Uh, and it's undoubtedly doing damage to the how it. So it sounds like he has a urinary issue going on, either via, you know, potential diabetes, right. potential uh, loss yeah, so of control of the sphincter. Like behavior. No. I mean, uh, the biting, obviously. but That's behavior. I think this owner is just trying to find it a reason to euthanize this pet at this point. Yeah, they say because they say when they do go into the vet, all blood work is normal, thyroid and electrolytes, UA, what's UA? UA Your analysis. Okay, came back totally normal. So he probably should go on Proin. It sounds like he doesn't have a urinary tract infection. Blood work, he doesn't sound like he has diabetes. Trazodone? Trazodone is a sedative. Um, okay. Yeah. So they, oh, and they mentioned again, snarling and curling his lip at the blind pump pup. Again, he was probably not comfortable with a dog in his house. Yeah. That he doesn't know. <laughs> Most <laughs> recently he was headbutting doors and baby gates. Oh my. It sounds like he's understimulated. He's frustrated. Yeah. Not exercised enough. I mean, I'm I don't know. highly concerned he's going to yeah. hurt himself and other dogs. My vet told me she feels like she's reaching the end of her expertise. I feel like she's probably lying to the vet and telling the truth online. Probably. And then even if she was reaching the end of her expertise, that vet probably recommended a behavioral consult with a behaviorist and a specialized trainer for specifically this dog um, who would probably see the in-home because the behaviorist and trainer go to your home. Yeah, because she so she summarized the house is getting destroyed. My husband's not getting any sleep because he's constantly woken up by doggo trying to do things, and there's pee everywhere. I don't. I'm speechless at why you would. So I would never recommend. Holy, why is she thinking? So this is what I see a lot. How do people think this is that what, that's okay? This is what I you see a lot. You can fix that dog. Okay, it bit another dog. It's not happy with the other dog, but that's something you can work on. Everything else yeah, seems it like it's a real easy... It doesn't have to be around easy. other dogs. That's like a thing. You don't have to bring it around other dogs. Don't bring other dogs into its house. Mm-hmm. 
it's its house. It clearly has something going on urinary wise, or you're not taking the dog out enough. Like so this, yeah, this person just seems like it's maybe a them issue. Then yeah, yeah, Which I, sucks for the dog. This I is think why I've been advocating wants, so yeah. hard lately for yeah. dogs because like what a shitty situation. This person explained a shitty situation that they're putting their own dog in. I'm in my head, brain dead right now at how stupid this is. Yeah. She's looking for someone to confirm, to, to like, you know, support her in making the decision. Because probably her vet probably Is it said, not better for her to just rehome it? I know that might maybe be difficult. I think if she loves this dog, she should go through the behaviors, the training, mm-hmm. the medication. Trazodone's totally fine. Prozac's totally fine. Those drugs are meant to help with training and the progress of training. Um, to make the dog more malleable almost. And to, and it's, it's just like a tool. You're not supposed to use it long-term unless that dog has anxiety issues. There's long-term anxiety meds, doggy Prozac. Um, but it sounds like she is just giving up on the dog. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see a lot of is people almost just like, give oh, up or they don't want to spend the money to yeah. do the diagnostic. They don't want to go to the vet. They don't want to get the diagnostics. They don't want to do anything you know they just want to be like this dog is destroying stuff and i don't want to keep it yeah they they blame blame the dog dog. yeah when like literally okay it's digging at the door and destroying your house because it literally is so bored yeah and frustrated it's frustrated it's frustrated and it sounds again going back to prisons real quick if you go watch things of people in like solitary confinement they're slamming on the doors all 24, 7 hours a day because they're just stuck in a little cage with nothing. Like, it's brutal. Yeah. Uh, it That sounds like a case of poor dog. I feel really bad for, for that dog. Damn. Yeah. That's uh, again, sad. that's why I don't want to be a part of them unless the owner actually tried mm-hmm. everything. Which this person clearly has not, not tried everything. Exactly. They're asking Reddit for an opinion as opposed to going to a professional. I don't even think she's asking for an opinion. I think she's yeah. looking for someone to agree like, with her. On like biased confirmation or whatever. Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah. <laughs> one of those is, that, that one was sucky, but. Um. Weird. I, I do have a couple shorter ones that are interesting. Um. This one, without even, like, getting into reading the specifics, essentially... So my question, without reading, like, the earlier post, he's okay with, like, what happened. He has a more question on the billing slash, like... uh, I think his dog died, like... All right, so my question is this. By telling me that she started to pass on her own while they were prepping her... The text seemed to indicate that they didn't give her any drugs whatsoever, but it was still charges if they did. Are euthanasia drugs the sort of thing that once prepped must be used or discarded? So prepping may have been pre-meds. Okay. Which is different than the, u- what is it called? The euthazole. Euthazole. Okay. Um, but again, they may have asked if they could go forward with the euthanasia at because she was passing. To kind of help her with the process and use those drugs, um, I, it, euthanasia is weird. Um, for you know, if a pet passes 
before you even come to the hospital or at the hospital before we give stuff. Um, I think mainly the tr- if it passes before or um, you come in or before the actual um, pre-med or euthanasia solution is given, um, I think typically we it's just like the charges for um, cremation versus burial versus other. Okay. That makes sense. So they probably in that case, like, yeah, gave them something, put work into them. Yeah, I mean, you're... You guys don't do it for free, you know, I mean... Yeah, and I hate that. I hate that we can't... I know. I wish I could do everything for free. I really do, but um, the price to keep a hospital open is for the medications and the products and stuff. So if we use those products and medications, eventually... That fund yeah, is so going to run out. <laughs> so, are you taking? So, my sister has diabetes. Mm-hmm. She's got a bottle of insulin mm-hmm. that she would. Our I, insulin is cheaper than human insulin. I just want to put that out there. Dog is this? Dog insulin is cheaper is than it the human. Same exact thing. It's different. Okay. It is it different. Is different. Okay. But it is cheaper than human because I know human med- <laughs> insulin is probably yeah. very expensive and. I know people are going, like, across the border to, like, Canada to get, like, mm. a four-pack or, or whatever. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, she has a pump now. She's had a pump forever. But before she had a pump, you know, it was syringes mm. taking the insulin out of, like, a little bottle that was in the refrigerator. Is That's what they do for animals. Is we they kept refrigerated bottles and they okay. take draw it up and give it to the animal. So is that the same with youth? Was it youthazol? Youthazol is that, or do you like open it? Is it once it's open you get to use so it? So we or? have a big bottle, and we pull from the bottle. So you're paying for the product that you use. So if we didn't get paid, like we can't purchase. Yeah, exactly. I'm not no for euthanasia. It's a set price. Oh, okay. Um, but for, like, other products and stuff, it just depends on what the product is. If it's, like, a, we have, like, a, a big a big bottle and we can draw some out, we're just paying for the, the amount. But if you're selling, like, a small, you know, say, ear meds, no one else is going to be using those ear meds except for you. So you're paying for that actual product. Um, and the money towards that we get from that product goes back into buying more of that product and paying the employees. And making sure, you know, we have everything we need to keep the hospital sanitary. So what you're buying, what you're paying for at the hospital is keeping the hospital running. Because if we didn't have that, there's, n- there's no such thing as unlimited funds. Um, once we run out, we run out. <laughs> and, you know, so for euthanasias, you're paying for the youth is all, the amount, not the amount, but for the actual euthanasia, um, you're paying for the t- doctor's time. You're paying for, um, you know, whatever option you choose for your pet afterwards. Um, and you're paying for, you know, the overall product. Not yeah, per mill, but... afterwards? Can you take it? Take the body? Yeah, so I have a little thing here. Where are you? Because um, actually that's something I didn't even think about. Yeah. When, I, we're, when we're done, what the heck happens? You're skipping around my paper here, so <laughs> yeah. I gotta find it. Um... Let's see. I can't imagine they've got like the uh, you know funeral car that comes in. So a hearse. 
<laughs> not hearse, but it comes in a big van. <laughs> oh, great. Um, stack them all in there. You're making it more morbid than it needs to be. <laughs> I don't like to tell people that. <laughs> um, am I missing this paper? Well, you have a couple different options. Here it is. Um, so there's at-home euthanasia where the vet comes to your house. I like this option um, because your pet is comfortable in its home. It's with people it loves. Usually people lead up to, you know, that they have a really fun day. And then it leads up to, you know, the picnic blanket out in the yard or in the favorite family room. Um, the pet isn't stressed. It's like um, a normal day. Just a normal day, you know, just ending in euthanasia. <laughs> uh, the only issue with at-home euthanasias is it's not like a same-day thing. They book out a couple days to a couple weeks. So if you know your pet's slowly declining, you're going to have to schedule something. And that's something, you know, a lot of people don't like to schedule the pet's death. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard for them. Concept. It's a weird concept. But I almost like it because you're scheduling it so that way you know past that point your pet's not going to continue to suffer. Um, if it is suffering, you know. And, you know, sometimes it's just time. Um, the other issue is it tends to be more expensive because you're paying for the vet to travel to you and then take the pet with them to go to a crematory. And it's just a lot more travel, and it tends to be a little bit more expensive. But on the plus imagine, side... Plus, you're only... I mean, just from the, your, you know, your guy's side, you're doing one, whereas, you know, you might be able to do four at a time or something that... Is, is it is there ever multiple at a time or is it usually just okay? It's, it's just usually one. just one. <laughs> okay, I, I don't know how like yeah, I mean thirty dogs being put down. There's <laughs> sometimes multiple pets coming in for euthanasias, but they're not together. Okay. They usually either have their own room or they wait until the room's free because you know again it's still scheduled at a hospital, but there's a little bit more flexibility. So in home or at hospital euthan in hospital euthanasias tend to be a little cheaper because. The person doesn't have to travel around. The crematory comes and picks them up themselves um, from the hospital. Um, but the minus is, you know, it's a little bit more stressful, especially for a high-anxiety pet. I don't recommend it. So high-anxiety pets, I do recommend at-home euthanasias. But, again, you got to kind of plan it, and it's more expensive. As somebody who always, like, tries to plan ahead and advocate and think for my pet, that just seems like something that I'd want to actively, like, you know, set up. Exactly. You want to think about it and like, be prepared. Yeah, you know, having somebody come and... Yeah. I mean, that's what I would do for my own pets. My first dog, I had a um, in-home euthanasia. Really weird question. Yeah. Possible so answer. <laughs> yeah, you can't do it. I can't do it, but, but I can do the catheter i can prep and i can you so know. like could you have like your friend vet or whoever someone you work with come over and like you two do it at your house yeah or, or would you personally rather have like a stranger vet like like other people come in and do it and you i'm fine with someone i know just because they know or i guess or, how or i guess I care more do you when Sorry, I don't want to make you think about it, but it's like, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> when, and who knows the answer might change, but when you like, you know, Shiloh and Fate, like, do you want to be part? Do you? Do I you won't want, be the 
technician. Okay. I will be the owner. Yeah. At that point. I won't do my own things for them. Okay. And you don't want to, right? No. I don't want them to remember me poking them for a yeah. catheter. I want them to Sorry, remember. No, it's, no, it's like fine. a deep, weird. It's fine. It's, it's, that's like an actual good question. Like, you know, as a technician, do you do your own things? I know a couple technicians who have done their own things and prepped their own pets. And, you know, I just don't think I will personally do that. I'll be present at all times, though. And even while they're doing, like, the catheter and stuff, that, that's me. I want to be there 100% for my animals. Um, yeah, it's, I, I can't picture it any other way. And I, that's why I think I have a hard time with other people who just leave their pets. And I'm like, I could never do this to my own animal, so I don't know how you can do this to yours. And I, I don't want to sound judgy, but I'm kind of judging at the same time. I don't say it to them, but... I do. I So I personally have a hard time with death. I think it'll be different with my dogs because... They're your own animals. They're my animal, but yeah. like, even with close family... Like with my grandfather, who's mm-hmm. like literally one of like the biggest influences and probably like shaped my existence. I can't, <laughs> can't even. He was such a good friend and like, oh my God. Something that I can't describe in words. But I feel real guilty because so someone that I loved as much as him when it was like, I can't visit do like hospital visits. I struggle so hard mentally and like, I think it's also harder because he can communicate with you. Yeah. Not the way an animal does, Mm -hmm. but I feel like Like I feel guilty. I never said bye to him. Like it was like, but he knew that's the thing is he knew the animals don't know, but he knew how much, you know, you meant to him and vice versa. Like, we understand that, you know, we don't always get to say goodbye to our loved ones. And sometimes it we don't because we don't want the actual aspect of saying goodbye to be the last thing. We want to remember them as they were. Maybe that maybe that's what... I, I think that's how kinda I kind of feel me. towards yeah. it. Um, you don't want to... You don't want that to be it. Mm-hmm. Like, so... You say goodbye and that's it. Yeah, like my... Grandma, so that I was just talking about my mom's side. Grant, my mom's dad. So my mom's mom is my last grandparent alive, which is weird in itself because I've had the thought of like, and I know this has nothing to do with dogs. Sorry to go on another okay. tangent, but the thought of like, well, once she's gone, right? Like as far as the lineage, it's like, whoa, parents are next. And then, yeah, me. Reality it's there. like, yeah. we, we're starting to, but so, and she's starting to like decline. And again, though, I struggle to like, she only lives in Quincy, right yeah. behind the Quincy High School. And I struggle to like, I struggle to visit her. It's very easy for me to go visit her right now. But again, I think you're thinking maybe you don't want to see her as she is now, I, when, yeah, as I she's can't, declining. Because like, I just, we have such good, weird merit. It's so yeah. hard to. I think in these situations. And, but I feel guilty. I think you should talk on the phone. I feel so guilty. 
yeah. I think talking on the phone. So you don't have to actually see her, mm-hmm. but you can still have those good conversations. I think it's okay. It's okay. Therapist Courtney here. <laughs> and that's how I feel for people too when euthanasia. I feel like I'm a therapist somewhat. Um, but I think it's a, I think humans <laughs> and animals, I think being there, you don't have to be there physically for the actual euthanasia for the animal. Yeah. Like I said, be there for the, at least until the pre-med. So they don't remember the last thoughts looking for my mom, looking for my dad. So actually that answers this question. Could my dog see, hear, or feel me at the end? He had been slightly sedated beforehand. I just want to, yeah, I just want to make sure he knew I was there with him at the end. He seemed to look right up at me before he passed, but I'm worried he's so out of it that he didn't know I was there. It's really bothering me. So... He knew he was there for the pre-med. Like I said, they can't close their eyes. They don't look, once the pre-med hits, it, you, the nervous system, they can't move their eyes. They can't, you know, I know. Do they blink? Interesting. We have to loop the eyes for anesthesia because the. Wait, did they have to do that to me when I go under? Probably. Or they use drops, eye drops. We have actual like lubricant that we put in the eyes. Um. Yeah, so I think it's like I said, it, anesthetic depth. When you get, you know, humans, when we get um, knocked out, it's just we wake up and we're like, where did all that time go? Yeah, that's so crazy that you can do this, right? You can get them to this point to where you, c- but you, c- we can just come back from that. That is just bizarre. We control. Ev- there's multiple aspects that we control. Like, like if you didn't ent- euthanize him, right? He could. Come back, yes. The it's drugs so wear crazy off how we can put yeah. that pause like that. Yeah, it wears off. It's not instant. It's slow. I don't know why that blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> it blows so my mind that we can just... I think the dog knew he was there for when he went out, but past that, the dog didn't feel anything. There's no, like, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing, because just like with humans, when we go out and we wake up hours like later, jump cut, we're like, yeah. whoa, what happened? So I think that's how it is for them and that's what i hope it is because i don't want them to feel anything and any vet who doesn't use a pre-med and just pushes a youth is all on a live animal is not a good vet in my opinion would that physically hurt it's shutting down your nervous system and your brain while you're still awake Mm -hmm. so you feel you know i think you experience death you literally suffocate to death while awake (laughs) that's why we recommend it because the youth is all sets them into cardiac arrest so you're feeling the cardiac arrest because you didn't get the pre-med to feel that and probably just have a manic panic attack and i will say i I unfortunately had to experience that and for euthanasia one time and i was not okay I, and it was a euthanasia or a behavioral euthanasia. I'm going to get all teary eyes. I get so worked up about it because I thought they were pushing pre-med or propofol, the magic milk. You know, Michael Jackson loved it. Um, 
and she didn't, and she just pushed youth at it all, and that dog was literally convulsing and struggling to breathe, and that was not how a dog should go out. A dog that's already fearful and scared and that almost seems like an equivalent to the like electric chair in a sense of you're sort of like it was horrible i i felt sick to my stomach that's like when you cut a chicken's head off and it's still like it's almost like you know what i mean yeah it damn that wasn't i don't like talking about it because i'd get emotional about it and it haunt it'll haunt me forever that i had experienced that that the dog had to experience that that Human inmates that are getting the chair, or not the chair, but the, you know, the drugs are, you know, people who do bad things still get the pre-med. And this dog who has no idea what's going on is getting fought to the ground, muzzled, and then gasping for air. Yeah, it'd be like if an alien spaceship abducted you, right? Like... You know, they we're al- like you said, we're aliens to them. Exactly. We're, it, the dog was so fearful. It was so scared. And I was sick to my stomach. I I had to walk away. Like, I was like, I, I got up and I'm like, I can't be a part of this anymore. And I reported it because that's not something I'm ever comfortable with is. And I hope, you know, the necessary measures are taken to, you know, reprimand that doctor and I don't know, pushing youth is all without pre-med is just crappy in any situation. There are some doctors in, in cases that it is okay, like if the pet's already on its way out or so extremely ill that you don't have time for a pre-med and the, the correct choice is euthanasia. I'll see doctors do that. Right, if like a, but if this was a spry two-year-old animal, young, fearful, and sc- like that. Well, like you said, behavioral, right? That's not. It was really a behavioral euthanasia. Is behavioral really medical? I mean, that's a blurry line, I guess. It's a blurry line. You know, but his behavioral is you know brain. Medical is there something medically wrong with it? Did the owner not want... I didn't ask for the case information because I didn't want any more info about this. I didn't want to know... Well, it might be like I just read earlier. It was that just they did peeing nothing. on the damn floor. It's like... I think well, this, this one did have a bite history. That's why it was fought to the ground and muzzled. And that's when I was informed that the owners did not want to be present. And then I thought they were giving the pre-med when she was actually giving all. With... So, all right. So you're against behavioral euthanasia. In my experience, so all the dogs that I watch are obviously pretty good. I personally only know of these type of things in these online things I read where these dogs are. Yeah. um, I've never really encountered, yeah, like, a dog like this where it's like it's got a bite history. So 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 like if somebody came to me seeking professional help, I would say, sorry, I'm not a professional in that way because I can't help you. How do you like and you might not know the answer because again you're not a professional, but like how do you actually correct like 
like a biting or like an aggression. So you got to find what triggers it. There's always a trigger. Um, You know, something that sets the pet off. It it can be as small as, you know, dropping a glass. Is biting, is biting, like if there's a bite history, is that something you would consider behavioral? Yes. Euthanasia? Well, I don't... If they're putting it down for that reason, like... I mean, I know it depends on the circumstance. I... If it's biting, and like I said, everything has been checked off that they've tried before the actual euthanasia. They've seeked medical help. They seeked a behaviorist. They seeked a professional behavioral trainer, not just a PetSmart group class. Or, I mean, honestly, even like... And they tried medications. Even some of the trainers that tout themselves are honestly full of shit. Yeah. There are... The behaviors will give you legitimate trainers. Mm -hmm. They will recommend... They'll come to your home. MJ's Pet Academy. Oh, my God. I loved her post. I saw. She's... She was at the dog show. But you gotta find somebody like them. You can't just find somebody like me. I... And... Not to, not to give myself any discredit. Yeah. Like, I know dogs. I can help a lot of situations. Like, yeah. like today, I won't say who. A dog that I was watching who was tortured as a puppy and left in the woods to die at six months old. He was rescued. He's lovely. Humpy boy. He... They had some, he doesn't like my dad. He loves me. At the dog park with me, any man can approach him. He's pretty fine. Hates my dad. With my dad, he'll nip at his hands. Which tells me maybe somebody like my dad is probably who abused him. Well, today they had someone like putting a cabinet in and he. And so, so we do have a plan moving forward, which is key. Um, See, they're they're working on steps to prevent the behavior. Like we're going to, so we're going to, anytime somebody comes over, you know, so I'm not a professional and I got to tell them, you know, so our plan is we'll put him in the crate like anytime I pick him up and anytime strangers come over. So he knows when people come over, let's go to the crate. Let's calm down for a little bit and we'll come out once we're like relaxed and we're in a state where we're not because he's a. I was about to say what breed, but I don't want to give away a dog. <laughs> For like, I don't know. He's 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 a good boy, but he can be, I guess, protective of his mom. And the two breeds he's mixed with are kind of nippy. Um, and that's what people have to also take in consideration when they get a uh, do behavioral euthanasia. They get a dog that's already predisposed to biting. They got a freaking German Shepherd, who's a working dog. That's meant to be guarding and hurting. And he's living in, yeah. Uh, yeah, and if he's, he's going to be... And not getting nippy, any maybe, yeah. socialization or actual work, he's going to bite and do damage, and he's going to have behavioral issues because you didn't do anything with him. You didn't set the ground rules when he was a puppy, and now he's a mess. Behaviorally, mentally, physically, a mess. And yeah, so at least, yeah, yeah, like you said, they're taking the steps to... And now, do I feel comfortable addressing this? Yes, because he's never bitten anyone before. He just kind of nipped the worker guy, and then 
he calmed down. And and he could have it's set a dog a I off. know. He could set a sense. trigger off yeah, for like, the dog. Yeah, I don't know anything about he that guy. Dogs you know, are weird. Yeah. They pick up on things that we don't even... I don't know even... the exact story, but he could have dropped something. He could have mm-hmm. done something that the previous owner did and abused even him and set him off. stranger in the house. Exactly. Not it's that, a stranger. That's not a, I'm not condoning. No. No. It's not... There is a why, though. Yeah. I'm not condoning, but there's a why. And so... Do I feel comfortable addressing this specific one? Yes, only because it's a dog I've known for like three years. Yeah. And I love and I watch him every day. Yeah. So, yes, I wore. But if somebody was to come to me like with this out of the blue, I'd probably be like, I don't know. You know exactly. what I mean? And like, that's when they should I'm seek not, professional yeah, help. <laughs> I'm not. So it's just. Because you see the dog and you know it's lifestyle. You know it's past, you know, are the owners actually going to do stuff to f- prevent it again? Then, yeah, that they're doing the right things. But if you're not doing anything to help the dog, then you're not doing anything to help the dog. Just so, <laughs> like, I don't understand what's the point of getting a dog if you're not going to, like, constantly think about how you can help and improve their their lives exactly don't get husky and sit in your room all day playing video games while the dog is literally going out of its mind that's supposed to be running 20 plus miles a day yeah yeah so like i totally am victim of that on some of the weekends sometimes with like so like obviously i don't i don't neglect them or anything right like they get plenty of exercise but um you know some sometimes sad because i don't i don't take I never say no. If somebody's like, "Hey, can you take my dog?" Yeah, I'm taking your. I can take your dog because uh, I don't go on vacation. I'm kind of a homebody, and so, but like, you're like, "All right, I'm thinking about tomorrow. I got the event one to five p.m. tomorrow." Well, before then, all right, we'll go to the dog park. So but you plan that, your dog's exercise. That's good. Yeah, yeah. That's what I do. I plan my dog's exercise. I'm going to work from seven thirty to four. Afterwards, we're going to go run. I love that. Yeah, exactly. For two hours <laughs> until I come here. Yep. And then next day, I let them run in the morning. And then I have a wedding to go to tomorrow. So my sister, congratulations. But um, Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm still going to find a way to exercise them to the best of my ability so they're not like, I'm looking into dog walkers for, you know, days that I'm at work so they can come to work with me, get picked up, walked, and then drop back off. Like, yeah. that's what, and then afterwards, I'm going to walk again. Like, they. Right. They're your life. They're my life. Yeah. <laughs> if you yeah, get so a dog, like, I already know, like, tomorrow, like, all right, it's like, all right, I'm going to run them in the morning. I'm going to come home. I can play some Apex Legends on my computer. <laughs> and then I've got that event. Well. I know between getting coming home from the dog park and leaving for that event, I'll play video games maybe they're like two hours, right? She'll nap for like an hour after coming home from the dog park, and then it's just like, all right, I'm ready. And she'll start whining, and I'll be, all right, give me five minutes. Like, I know that, that, and if you don't, so like, fortunately, she's someone who has me who will, but like, yeah. oh my God, I can't, it's long, long point of getting to like, you know, 
Yeah, holy crap. I can't imagine getting a dog and just, like, basically ignoring it. Um, so. Don't let it just sit and rot in the house. Don't let it sit and rot in a crate. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get a dog. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, okay. Okay. Back to our many, many things. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mentioned before. Back to killing dogs. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. 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 Um, we're going over the both options in home and at hospital euthanasias. Um, there's also options for private versus communal burial um, or cre- cremation. Um, you have three options, really. So are private. Are all pets cremated? Not all of them. Okay. Three options. Okay. Oh, sorry. Um, she's I cutting me off. Who do you think you are? <laughs> <laughs> um, private meaning cremation. Um, you go to the vet. Your pet gets euthanized. Goes to a crematory. Um, they're cremated on their own. And depending on if you want, like, uh, it's stuff cremated with it, too. Um, some people bring, like, blankets and teddy bears and leave the collars or they take the collars. It, anything is okay, honestly. Um, and you get those specific ashes back. You don't get anyone else's pets. If it's a legitimate crematory, <laughs> don't go to the one on the side of the highway that no one else uses. Um, yeah, this is a little can of dirt. What the heck? Yeah. Um, they'll mail the, or not mail, but they'll bring the ashes back when they come to pick up the next section of pets, let's say, um, that are going back to the crematory. Uh, and Do you they have a pen over there? I don't have a pen. Okay. Just remind me to ask you about taxidermy. Continue. Okay. Okay. Taxidermy. <laughs> I like taxidermy, so that'll be fine. Because um, we're talking about cremation, so yeah. eventually add taxidermy <laughs> into this little, like, what are your thoughts? And yeah. yeah so that's add that as one of these little options. It is. It is because it goes kind of with number three. So back to number one. Um they typically give you an urn or like a picture vase or they send you something. They go, they have like a sad little card the, talking about the rainbow bridge that you cry, just opening up and looking at. Um, and then like paw prints and stuff. Those things kill me. It, even when it's not even, it can be. Anyone's Because pet. it's not about. It's the. It's, it's the, not about the. Yeah. Like it can be your pet, but I have those same exact feelings yeah. that you're having towards my pet. And it's beautiful that we can bring that out in each other, you know? Like, yeah, you can post something. Like, I love when you post beautiful things about Shiloh. Shiloh ain't my dog, but I, it it reminds me of my dog. Yeah. You know? I think this is the homo. Are you going to make me cry? Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a couple versions of it, but this one is just the side of heaven is a place called the Rainbow Bridge. When an animal dies that has been especially close to someone here, that pet goes to the Rainbow Bridge. There are meadows and hills all for all of our special friends so they can run and play together. There's plenty of food, water, and sunshine, and our friends are warm and comfortable. All the animals who have been ill, old, are restored to health and vigor. Those who were hurt or maimed are made whole and strong again. Just as we remember them in our dreams of days um, in time that goes by. So it's just, you know. I'm thinking of literally you take Stoddard's neck and me and my eight dogs and just put it up into like the 
the heavens and it's like oh okay that's what heaven is and there's longer ones and i'm like i can't look keep looking at these because i'm gonna get emotional but yeah, well, um, i know i got tears in my head you get <laughs> you get one of those and cry and <laughs> i'm two for certain things yeah. um number two option is communal cremation which is again totally okay some people don't want those ashes and those reminders they have their memories they have, you know, a collar, or blanket, or stuffed animal that they keep. Um, that's when the pet is euthanized and then goes to that cre- same crematory. And they go in um, and get cremated. And then their ashes are combined with another, like a whole a bunch of pets. And typically they have like a, some type of garden um, that they spread the ashes. They don't just keep the ashes or toss them. They typically put those ashes somewhere. Um, again, typically it's a, a garden because it's it's. The, it's weird to sound, say this, but the it's nutrient-rich, yeah, the ashes sure. and stuff for plants. I'm, I'm so unsure of which one I want. And neither is fine, honestly. Uh, people feel... I'm so unsure. It, it, so unsure. It I have no idea. cheaper to do communal. I know price isn't always an no, issue, that's but not, some people... that's not even anything yeah. to think about. That's, that's, that's heavy. Yeah, that's something to, you know, consider and think about. Do I... Um, do I... So, like, my grandma, like I mentioned earlier, yeah, she, she, you know, she's got Cooper the cat. His ashes are up on the mantle. Do I? Oh, man. I do find sometimes... Oof, that's tough. When you get pet ashes, they do get tossed aside eventually somewhere. Mm. They get dusty and it's sort they're of not. Like something so it, maybe, maybe at first. It's like a big thing. And then over time, as you heal, mm. you know, those ashes kind of take a, a, a step, step back. But again, either is okay because you have... The option, and you're gonna remember that pet regardless. The memories. Well, I guess if I look at it from my point of view, mm-hmm. my point of view is shit. When I'm dead, I don't care what you do with <laughs> me. So I guess, I guess. If and I the look. animal doesn't know either. Like your right, pet's yeah, not gonna they're, know. They're um, Again, hoping, hoping that the soul outshines the body. You exactly. know exactly. And then number three option is taking your pet home for burial. Um. You there's strict laws on bur- burial. In what sense? Because or like what? what you're do you putting youth as all into an animal. We talked about how it shuts down the brain and nervous system. So if you bury a pet and the pet decomposes, and that the chemical and brain and drinking water, you gotta think about that. Mm-hmm. So if you you have well water, obviously it's advised against because if the pet decomposes and rain and going through the body you know um there's also uh scavengers you legally have to pet bury your pet a certain depth Um, so i can bury bailey you can but if you don't where i don't know specifics um, there uh, are yeah, pet yeah. graveyards. Find a lawyer. Find a find a pet lawyer. <laughs> there are. Um, I mean, obviously, I can't go to Starter's Neck, her favorite place, and just bury her. I think you'd have to ask for the town permission. My backyard. I think you can do backyard. 
again, considerable water. So you can buy a house and not even know that there's like 12 dogs buried back there. Exactly. Holy shit. Um, but you also have to keep, like, if you don't bury that body enough or you have a determined scavenger, coyote, fox, raccoon, and you have to bury and you have to clean up your scattered pets' remains. That can be really rough. On top of that, if that animal ate your pet, it could potentially kill that animal because of the euthazole in the system. Um, I don't know how it's processed differently because it's not in the veins um, and it's being digested, but I think it does still end up killing that animal. I can still see that not being a great scenario. No. Even if it doesn't kill it, that can't be Not great, yeah. You know? Um. So you got... Plus, I wouldn't want an animal eating my dog. Exactly. It's dead body. So that's... <laughs> that's like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Something to consider. And then the last part kind of going with taking your pet home after euthanasia is taxidermy. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever dealt with any? Not dog or cat, but exotic animals. I see a yeah. lot of snakes. Um, they'll articulate the skeleton. A snake? Yeah, it doesn't just. It does look pretty badass. I think. No, 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 but that doesn't flake and just disintegrate into dust, no. isn't it? It's a, like it's bone. <laughs> it's just it's scale. It's it's hard material. I mean, because um, you they, see okay, how they, they shed the skin. They shed the skin, but that's not the actual skin. It's a layer of just like how we get sunburn, and we peel. Okay. That's them shedding as they grow. So they're, as they're growing, the skin is expanding, so they shed that. Um, or they're just going through natural shedding, which is... That would... I'm just thinking of a, like, little, like, snake's pose to strike. That would be and pretty And there, cool. there are skeletons like that that you can purchase. People yeah, will cool. articulate um, roadkill skeletons, and as long as it's legal, there's some straight... State laws, because there's federal protect, federally protected animals um, that you cannot and can possess. Um, for, you know, taxidermy, I see a lot of birds, a lot of snakes. You know, when you get your snakeskin shoes. Did you say that there's certain dead animals I can't own? Exactly. So, birds <laughs> of, Hold on. It's a corpse. It's so they, you can't prove cause of death. Holy shit. So, say you pick up a dead red-tailed hawk on the side of the um, road, and someone reports you for picking up that dead bird, or you post a picture and someone reports you, you're going to get slapped some hefty fines, and you can say you found it all you want, but, you know, if you did, you know, taxidermy to it, they're going to be like, you shot the bird, or you killed this bird, so would you need some sort of paperwork, like if you have like a taxidermized like tiger, is that even a? I thing? think there's, yeah, oh yeah, I'm sure it yeah. is. It's like you can sadly. get any animal. It just depends on legality of it, um, and if it was, you know, black market stuff. You know, is stuff. that weird? No, I don't think it's weird. Personally, because I take I, it's called vulture culture. So you take, you scavenge dead okay, things. Okay, I can see, okay, okay. I could see doing a wild animal. A coyote that I found, like, what I, do people, people taxidermize their animal, their pets, though? I do find 
There's no way cat. you could see like. I hate. But like, like if they stuff them. <laughs> fucking weird. I feel like it would be it, it would be weird to me, but you know every person you know memorializes their dog in a different or cat in a different way, so I don't think it's wrong, and I don't. I just it's not right for me. <laughs> Sorry, it's dude. not something I would. Did do. you ever see the? I got to put it. In, I'll put it. Oh my god, the the taxidermized cat that they made a drone. Oh yeah. <laughs> You've seen so that. I I think at that point that's just exploiting the animal, and it's not really. I hate to laugh. I'm not laughing. I know. I'm just drunk. It's, as it's hell. messed up. I'm it's drunk. <laughs> it's stupidly messed up. Um, I think at that point it's just kind of. We're weird. We're the only thing that would ever do that. Yeah. A bear would never. I mean, a bear would never have a pet. No, because they're they're not. They don't think like I mentioned earlier. They don't con- grasp concept or think as you know as much as our level. We're really aliens. We are. We probably came from an alien spaceship. Like. <laughs> Got dropped off. We think aliens are out there. We're actually the alien, you know? <laughs> How did we start, you know? We're... S- I mean, obviously, Thank we started you, from like, I love monkeys and apes and stuff. <laughs> so as much as I love to share this with people, to, like, try to help people, like, I love picking your brain because, like, a lot of this is, like, I'm just thirsty for knowledge. <laughs> And and I got weird knowledge here. Continuously <laughs> blow my fucking mind. Um, we no, because seriously, we're the only animal that's. So I don't know if you watched the whole video I posted yesterday. Yes, I did. <laughs> but I talked about like bees make beehives one way; they don't ever change the way they make beehives. There's not an oh we found out a way to do it quicker like it's just the same we're the we're so different we are different just keep in mind animals do evolve you know slowly over time over thousands of years it's not overnight so they the beehive could have been very different Google this when you get home chimpanzees enter and orangutans you and chimpanzees (laughs) entering the Stone Age yeah using tools. Exactly, and that's and teaching technically other where we started is yeah. them. Crazy. I know I said we were aliens, but we do scientifically we started from them, yeah. apes, and we progressed, and we our intelligence progressed to us getting to this point, mm-hmm. <laughs> and now here we are. Technology is crazy, like a picture that's yeah, moving, so and you know, but like, dogs won't do any of this. No, it's so they'll evolve, but I don't think ever to this point. It's just crazy. What are we? I mean, Monsters. that's the million dollar. Yeah. That's the million dollar question. And right uh, what are what we? The hell are we? And what is afterlife? Number two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, back to um, taxidermy. I have no issue with it, as long as you're not taking advantage of the animal's corpse. Like making a drone out of it, I think that's just not respectful at all. Hilarious, um, but <laughs> it's funny for the moment, and then I you know. think about it, you're like, "Wow, holy shit!" That was an yeah. that was a living being at some point. Uh, I could see like taxidermy like, can be very beautiful. I love it in like like museum 
type settings, I feel like. Like, that would be really cool. It is cool to see. And people who can do it and do justice to that animal's remains. Because I've seen some butchered. They are butchered, (laughs) and it's sad. The cats and stuff, like, (laughs) like, ooh. I mean, some people got to start out somewhere. Um, But if they can do that animal justice... And try their hardest. Yeah, that was I think it could be very beautiful and very sentimental. That? How do you start? How do you? There's. I where mean, does that interest begin? I mean, it could start from anywhere, honestly. You, you think? You can start on your own. Watch YouTube videos. Watch videos online. You can talk to actual taxidermists. There's one or two in every state, at least. Um, Why do we do that? Why do we taxidermize? Oh, weird. Yeah, but why? I think to memorialize the animal, some of these taxidermied animals are very beautiful pieces of art at this point. They're art. Uh, just like how we like paintings on a wall that a two-year-old could do. You know what would be cool? Let's see it. Hear it. All right. There are taxidermist shows that are really cool to go to as well. Show? Like ex- exhibitions, <laughs> not know, like I a know, show, but like, like no, I know what you. They need. bring their they like work. walk around. And yeah. You see their work. Like, do I want? And you can it? buy some too. Um, you gotta work. Look up some really good ones. Oh my! Because when you look at them, you're like, that thing's real, and you're gonna be like, there yeah, like no. I just left. Ah, oh, yeah, it left. Sorry, sorry, no, I'm no, distracting no, totally you. Fine. <laughs> but it was. I forget. That's okay. It'll come back to you at the most random moment. It will. Uh, okay, okay. Um, back to euthanasia and you'll think of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, okay, where am I at? Uh, I'm probably going to think of it like when I'm editing it in probably. like three hours. Just ask me when you, when you think of it because now <laughs> I want to know yeah. what your question was. I will, I will, if you're watching or listening right now, just go read the description. <laughs> and I will put the question and her answer if that she sends it. me on <laughs> Messenger. So just look in the description. <laughs> um, okay. So things to consider when deciding quality of life. So I would put that little chart in there. I found a really good chart um, that you can look at. It's just like a, a general idea. Don't take it so literally because every pet is different and you know your pet yourself. Um, but things to consider um, when deciding quality of life. Is the pet in pain? Is it not a healable pain? Can the pain be managed and for so how long? Um, if not managed or cannot be managed long term, I would consider euthanasia. Um, next thing, this, this is like a, oh my goodness, if, is the pet eating? I, that was is such an old like little myth. It's like, it's like as long as the pet's eating, it's okay to keep alive. It's not. It's not always okay to keep alive. Is the thing turned off? Is that okay? Yo, the monitor's off. Yeah, it should still be. Is there a red light on the far right side? Yeah. Okay, okay, I just want to make sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Now the battery just died on the okay. monitor. <laughs> I just want to make sure <laughs> that nothing stops. <laughs> Um, but this is all very important. <laughs> this part especially. Just because a pet is eating does not mean its quality of life is good. An animal could be suffering, but still capable of being uh, being able to eat. Um, 
I feel like this is such a big misconception, and I, I hate when people are like, this pet's fine, it's eating, and I'm like, your dog is literally skin and bones, it's eating because it's instinct, it's well, not because... Mom, this is Zoe. Oh, I'm just don't, saying. Don't bring me into this. I'm I don't want to be in the middle. This is Zoe. She's blind. She's deaf. Yeah. Seventeen-year-old Yorkie. Keep listening to these then, and use that chart for your mom. <laughs> yeah, there right. you go. Mom, look in the description. There's gonna be a chart. <laughs> use it and calculate Zoe's score. <laughs> um, just because it's eating does not mean it's okay. But is the pet eating? It's just like a general idea question. Is it eating as much as it used to? Yeah, I feel like if it's not eating, it's a quick, obvious sign of like something's obviously that. Yes. Obviously wrong. But because if it's dogs love food, quantity <laughs> is it eating the same normal food that it used to, or if it's on like a specific diet, is it still eating that, or a specific food like diabetic food, you know, renal food? You know, obviously if it's eating renal food, it's in renal failure or close to that. So, uh, um. Kylie is on a renal diet. What does that mean? So She's got liver or kidney? Renal is liver and liver kidney. disease, I think she is. Yeah. Um, so they're feeding that diet to slow down the progression. Eventually, it will fail. Sorry to bring Her give liver. you those thoughts. Yeah. Um, no, it's okay. So they're they're feeding a specific diet because of the calculations of the nutrients that are going to not be, like, the protein's not as high. Is it animal protein? It's still animal protein, but it's lower quantity amounts because the protein um, could progress, the higher proteins can progress liver disease. Yeah, I'm Um, very, I'm very, whenever I watch her, I have to be, like, on top of, like, you know, there's clueless people who just give people treats at the dog park, park, and I'm so, like, when I watch her, I'm like, if you're giving treats, you should be giving hypoallergenic, sensitive skin. Don't give treats. Just don't give treats to the dog. Don't give treats. If it's not your dog, do not give it food. Unless you ask the owner. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's the amount of times I've had to, "Ah, no. Yeah. (laughs) Do not. (laughs) Yeah, it sucks. Especially if they have like allergies and again, renal or kidney failure and, Mm -hmm. um, those oh, Kylie. Don't don't think about it now. Think about it after. Keep drinking. <laughs> Shot for Kylie. Yeah. Shot um, for Kylie. <laughs> so is it eating the normal food and or do you have to coax it to eat? Like do you have to hand feed it? Um, is it not eating interested in eating otherwise? Because some pets will eat out of your hands because you're feeding it, you're offering it food, but it doesn't mean, you know, obviously if it's not eating on its own, it's not really good. Um, does your pet have to get fluids? Is something to consider with that because with certain diets. Um, what do you mean by fluids? So we'll use Kylie as an example. Eventually they may start giving her fluids under the skin. as she, Her, yeah, like the little bubble um, to help keep her hydrated as her um, liver disease or kidney diseases um, progress. Um, because they they can't keep up with their intake of um, fluid. And, you know, that's just the body can't. 
process the it. The liver. Sorry, I'm biology is not my yeah. strong suit. The liver does that process fluids. So that processes protein and works with like the um, bile acids and um, gallbladder. They kind of all they all interconnect in one way or another. Um, but yeah, f- we're almost like jellyfish where we have a bunch of organisms in us. Yes. I mean, it's not organisms. The but mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Sorry, I got to pee so bad. So Kylie uh, and the water bubble, I think, is where we water were. Water bubble, the fluids. Yeah. Fluids. The subcutaneous fluids underneath the skin. Um, uh, it, are they getting that for a certain reason? Because... Sometimes, you know, the pet's just dehydrated and needs fluids. Um, and how often? Um, is your pet going to the bathroom on itself? Do you have to simulate the dog or cat? Um, is it going to the bathroom literally on itself? Um, is it aware that it's even going? Are you able to keep up with the maintenance and hygiene of that factor? Uh, consider if no one is home, how long is the animal going to sit in their own waste? And is your pet developing urine scalding and or sores from feces? I see that a lot in the ER. Um, a lot of burns to the skin from urine because of the ammonia. Hmm. Um, so just like sitting in, just sitting in their just own urine, yep. Almost like a hot spot from pee. Exactly. Right? Like kind of. Yeah, it's pretty much like that, but, you know, not... Which is <laughs> disgusting. It's disgusting, and... Um, can your pet get up without assistance? Do you have a larger, larger dog with a lot of stairs? Are you able to carry the dog on your own? Does your dog see not... Does your dog seem to not be interested in walking or going out or going and doing things that you used to enjoy? Is your pet having seizures, fainting spells, trouble breathing, or trouble standing? And then, is there more bad days than good days? Some pets have progressive diseases, and at old age, um, the issues that can increase the amount of bad days versus good good days. But when the bad days start to amount, um, start to amount or surpass the good days, consider quality of life even just like a discussion with your vet, Um, are they not enjoying the things they used to? A lack of wanting. Um, So those are all the things I think about when considering quality of life or consider going to talk to the vet about quality of life. Um, Again, some quality of life appointments lead right to euthanasia, that same appointment. Some take a few weeks, some take a few months. It's just, you know, weighing the pros and cons for your animal and their for their health and their mental stability and what they are doing and something you, you shouldn't be inconsiderate about or selfish about, honestly. Um, it's tough. Yeah, there are... Here's a couple of progressive issues that can lead up to euthanasia. There's so many out there, but just a couple... Heart disease um, tends to be a big one. Cancer, um, internal organ failure, so renal disease, kidney disease, 
um, internal tumors that end up hemorrhaging. That's not a fun time. Um, And neurological issues that Hemorrhaging, what does hemorrhaging mean? Like bleeding out. Bleeding? Yeah. Bleeding out. Internally? Yep. Obviously, those are things that can lead up to that situation, but there's also emergency euthanasias, which we're going to get a little into. Um, Actually, I had, uh, I think I had a story on that. Let's hear it. Um, Yeah, question about... Oh, well, no. Uh, well, it was the question about, like, do do the drugs, like, you know, have, like, a shelf life or whatever. But yes. <laughs> Drugs do have shelf lives. Yeah. My elderly cat passed away Thursday night. I had made an appointment with an in-home euthanasia service. Excuse me. Just yawning. For Friday afternoon. But it became clear around 8.30 that night before she needed... Uh, sorry, came clear around 8.30 p.m. that night before that she needed the kindness ASAP. So, like, you know, I've got it scheduled, but unfortunately. Yeah, should have scheduled a little sooner if that was, you know, if that cat was in that type of. Okay. Um, yeah, so in this case, yeah, I rushed her to the nearest ER vet. And while the horrendous bedside manner is a whole separate conversation, I don't know what he means by that. It means it wasn't handled. It was a bad vet. It doesn't even mean bad vet. It's just... Bad experience. Bad experience. And maybe wasn't happy how they they were handled. Like, maybe they had to sit and wait. Mm -hmm. Or... They were con- like the price tends yeah, to be so a big. Guess, yeah, maybe if you could get into some of the nuances of like that emergency. Yeah. Because that's. I can't imagine how hard hard that must be it's when really you're coming hard. in and it's like. Yeah. So some of the more emergent situations that warrant euthanasia, and this is just a few. There's lots out there, um, but hit by car. Um, where the internal bleeding, broken bones, um, in places that can't be fixed, like the spine, um, or it can't be amputated, stuff like that. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of damage. Some pets can recover, depending on the severity of it. Some pets die immediately, and some pets come in needing, or not, yeah, needing euthanasia, and obviously, it's up to the owner to decide that. You sent me a picture that I'll never forget. Oh, I know. What I'll never forget. About. Yeah. yeah, you immediately know. That was one of the bad ones. That dog came in alive. Yep. So in that scenario, this is fitting this criteria of an emergency. Euthanasia. Where it's recommended that, you know, that pet be euthanized. Obviously, it's the owner's decision. I don't know if you want to give a... I don't, you know, I don't want to speak on it because I don't, I don't, liability or what, like, I don't know if there's any liability on your end or not. But I can't say specifics. Yeah. It was bad. It was bad. This dog was alive. It was bad. Yeah. How the hell? A lot of owners <sighs> understand that. How do you deal when it's with bad that? And they come in and they say goodbye. Um. This dog was in peace. This dog, there was no coming back. There's no coming back. 
Yeah. It's one of the, it's. That dog work, must have been in pain. It was in a lot of pain, which is why <sighs> as soon as it came in, they authorized treatment um, for my ER. You can, as soon as you come in, you've, you there's an orange paper. You check yes to authorizing immediate emergency treatment and immediate um, uh, catheterization, or you check off that you want CPR versus DNR. Um, so do not resuscitate versus resuscitate, and um, you authorize, uh, you know, decisions pretty much. When a dog like that comes in, you'd be surprised. Some people, a lot of people, do CPR. But like, it, it, what if everyone's busy? Is that a dog where you're dropping what you're doing? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So there's codes which are need immediate assistance, and then there's stuff that comes in that can you know wait. Obviously, a UTI can wait over. Um, a hit by a car. Um, so, uh, and that's, situ- like I said, a lot of people choose CPR for even those pets that need euthanasia. And so they're doing CPR while the vet's talking to the owner and recommending best course of action and or euthanasia. And so that yeah. whole time we're pumping away. Every two minutes we switch people and that way there's no fatigue. And that pet's getting the best optimal um, CPR given. And it's hooked up. Um, it's intubated. It's giving manual breaths, um, getting meds, epinephrine to keep the heart going. Um, it's getting everything possible while that vet is talking and that owner is deciding. So keep that in mind that sometimes those conversations take 20, 30 minutes of us rotating out every two minutes and that pet getting drugs every two to five to ten minutes depending on the drugs um but if they typically when they do cpr they typically do authorized treatment so that pet has pain meds on board it's probably it's sedated usually um and that's why we're giving manual breaths and or it's crashing and needs manual breaths um so that's not the greatest um situation but um usually the owner's know the situation they come back and they don't want to sometimes they don't want to see the pet in that condition and that's those type of situations in the emergency that's totally fine because the pets are usually out Uh, it's it's a lot how do you how do you sorry i'm i know i know i'm really drunk so i'm going on weird it's okay how the hell do you wake up in the morning and go to work no seriously same way i go to bed every night and <laughs> you see the amounts of alcohol I drink here, so no, it's just this is. <laughs> we a all tough have our own coping mechanisms. Um, I tend to favor alcohol, not to the amount like where people should be concerned, but I have maybe like a glass or two of wine, or on bad days I'll do a couple shots. You know, um, like some people smoke weed. You know. <laughs> he raised his hand for those who can't see. <laughs> um, if you can't tell by my voice. I <laughs> um, can't breathe. You know, a lot wow. of vet techs have a lot of coping mechanisms. Um, thankfully, m- 
more we can handle it. Um, not like unhealthy amounts. Um, Cause like this is we all do a have lot for one dog for me. Thankfully and you're not. doing this. Yeah. Often. <laughs> a lot like consistently. Yeah. How does um, this not destroy you? How does this not wear you down? So I look at it as I'm helping them. No matter what I'm doing, I'm helping an animal, whether it's helping it pass or helping it recover. Either way, I'm helping an animal, and that's what I want to do. I'm there for that animal. I'm there for that owner. I'm there um, physically, mentally, emotionally. You I'm have there. no idea how much how much volume that just spoke to me. Yeah, it means a lot. It's it's hard, and I like I said, we all cope in our own ways. I'm we're very lucky that um, we have like grief counseling too from you know my hospital. Not every hospital has that, and a lot of vet techs will go to therapy. A lot of doctors will go to therapy. Um, that's I mean, it's a, you gotta be strong. No, um, because if you're not, there's a reason why there's a. Um, a suicide prevention group for vet techs and vets called Not One More Vet, um, where it supports us and uh, a lot of people who are struggling because of what we have to deal with every day. Um, owners who aren't angry with the outcome or the cost, or um, you know, us struggling with losing certain pets, and you know. When I. When it is time for me to put Bailey down, that's going to be an entire day, an entire week, an entire month, an entire year of process. I don't think we ever really stop processing. You you have to do that and then go take lunch and then... Go help another, if I have time another for 12 lunch. dogs. <laughs> what is a lunch? <laughs> no, but like, oh my God. Yeah, it's it's not for the weak. You get compassion fatigue very easily. And that's why we have high turnover rates. Is people get in thinking it's they're going to be helping. And they are helping, but they don't realize the cost mm. of their own mental health. And having to experience death daily, you know, even if it's just, if you're even at a general practice hospital, not even an ER, you're still experiencing it maybe once a day or once every couple days, um, putting it down a pet that's been going there for years, you know, or a pet that even people, (laughs) people bring sick and dying animals to general practice. And as much as I'm like, I understand because the pet's grown up there. You need to take it to the emergency room, just like how you wouldn't break, like bring yourself with a broken leg to your general practice hospital. They're mm-hmm. just be like, go to an orthopedist. Yeah, we can't. Like, what yeah. are you doing here? Yeah. Like, <laughs> we can't even give you meds. Like, mm-hmm. here's some Tylenol, extra strength. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just something to consider. Even though you want to keep going, unless you plan on euthanizing. Or it's a like a, a, a something that no like not crazy like a hit by a car. You're not gonna bring a hit by a car to your general practice. If you do, don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and that's just like one of the things. I I have a list here of things that weren't immediate 
you know, a, not even immediate, but emergency euthanasias. Um, another one, hemoabdomen slash thorax. When you're, um, there's blood in the abdomen or thorax, you could call it hemoabs or hemothorax um, due to our internal hemorrhaging. And that could be due to a couple of different issues. So tumors, rupturing, um, blood, uh, cancer, cancer in the blood, um, heart perforation, and there's like so many other things that can cause that. Um, And that requires diagnostic workups. And if you can't afford that, obviously um, euthanasia is the most humane thing you can do for that animal instead of making it suffer. And it doesn't always have to be immediate for certain situations. You can drain those sometimes, but if it's like cancer of the blood, it's not going to get better. Mm-hmm. If you have a ruptured tumor and it's like a t- metastasized to something, that's not going to get better. Is it better to be preemptive in that situation? Or is there a certain degree that you can kind of wait? I think certain degree for certain situations. So if we have, we call it a flash um, ultrasound where we just take a, we're regular vets, take, not even ER vets. They're not specialists. They take a, an ultrasound and they take a look and they see and give their best estimate of what's going on guesstimate i'll say and from there they recommend an ultrasound specialist who can tell you specifically what's going on or if it's so bad they recommend euthanasia then you know that typically that's not the greatest um thing to wait on you can't like really come back exactly um seizures some pets do not come back from seizures um especially long lasting ones there's brain damage well, you might not. Have, I don't want to say you might not have the. I'm not saying that because I am doubting your knowledge. That's okay. I'm just saying that in the sense of like, I don't. We don't know everything. What is the seizure? What exactly is the seizure? So, it's. I don't truly understand them myself. I would say, um, it's obviously a misfire of neurons and stuff in the brain. Um, that's causing the body to malfunction. Um, some are, you know, grand mal, multiple long-term. Um, there's clusters of multiple short-term. Are you aware? I don't think so. I'm not 100% like sure. anesthesia? Do you think you... So I, th- I know a lot of people, when they come out of them, people-wise, they're exhausted and drained because it takes a lot out of them. But I've never asked if they're conscious huh. or aware. I believe some maybe, and some you don't. I think it depends on like the severity of the seizure, um, because there's certain seizures where you just kind of focus out, and you know you don't even know what's happening, and it's just happening in your brain, and you're just like, so say I'm just sitting here staring off, and I'm having seizures, and no one would know. Until, you know, obviously the effects start to catch up. Um, I believe, like, heart palpitations can um, be an indicator of um, some seizures to the certain degrees. It's not Cause it's the neurons. painful, but if it's sort of like... 
you don't feel great. You're like, whoa. Yeah. You, know, you freak um, out. Because you, you obviously tense up. Um, a lot of animals will lose their bowels. They'll go to the bathroom. Um, you got to worry about them biting their tongue, but you obviously can't stick your hand in there because they don't realize, I don't think, 100% what's going on. Um, obviously, the longer the seizure, the more potential brain damage there could be. Um, so I think vets will give you the outlook versus recovery versus euthanasia um, in those type of situations, especially if it's a long, really bad one and they don't come out of it. They, pets will even die in seizures because they don't breathe. Um, certain types of situation, uh, seizures because there's a lot of different types. Hmm. Um, obviously, neurology and medications will help that and don't stop the medications if your pet's not having seizures because that means the medication is working. Yeah, I have a... I, I get that so often. I have an interesting seizure thing, but I want to talk to you outside of this about Okay, that's it. fine. So I'll talk to you after. Right. But yeah. A lot of people... Um, stop giving the seizure meds because they're like, oh, they haven't had it in a few years. And then all of a sudden it has one. She's like, I stopped the meds because you wasn't having one. But that's because the seizure meds were working. Hmm. Um, another thing, though. Do you know what the seizure meds do? It's like an anticonvulsant, almost. Okay. Um, again, different types of seizures require different types of medications. So phenobarbital, um, potassium bromide. Or a couple of them. Um, Crazy how we figure this crap out. It it takes a lot of knowledge, and I'm like, I'm just like, a fraction as, of my knowledge. As much as I love to say humans are awful, if it wasn't for humans, right? Like as hu as we'd be awful, dying at 30 years old, I if know, that tw yeah. 20 like, <laughs> back in the olden days. As much as awful crap as <laughs> I see humans do to dogs, yeah. If it wasn't for humans, dogs wouldn't have as good of a life as they. We wouldn't have Do. even yeah, us. Yeah, we wouldn't. Yeah, We'd exactly. be, you know, like back in the old days, we'd die at 20, 30 years old if we were lucky. Pop out some kids at 12, you know. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh -oh. It's crazy. Um, another thing to think about is poisoning, obviously. Um, acute damage or long-term damage or irreversible versus um, depending on the degree of the poisoning. So rodent poison, big one. Um, it bl blocks the uh, nutrient potassium, or not potassium, vitamin K. Um, vitamin K helps your body create clotting factors. And if you can't produce that, you have, that's why when people are on blood thinners, they don't, they, they take out, um, I keep wanting to say potassium, but vitamin K um, and then when they their blood is thin, they give them vitamin K. So vitamin K um, causes your blood to clot. clot. Um, if you're untreated, you bleed out internally, especially if you get any nick bruise. Um, you bleed through your eyes, through your nose, through any orifice. Nope. <laughs> it's not a fun time. Ears, mouth. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a fun time. Um, there's also unintentional, obviously, like... Um, there's uh, mold, your pet gets in the trash, uh, mycoplasma, um, which I'm always worried about because that one time Charlotte got in the trash and ate hmm. Thanksgiving leftovers from weeks ago because I suck at taking my trash out <laughs> occasionally. Um, I took them immediately in to get 
to make him vomit and it wasn't moldy because the food was so processed but i was still scared um mycoplasma can um cause seizures and um failure of organs and stuff like that so that's why it's super important whenever your dog gets into the trash especially eats old food that's been in there for a little bit and potentially be moldy that can kill a dog people don't realize that i would never have thought that no ever no it's just it trash bins are killers if not changed often i'm happy we've got a um child lock on ours because it's yep. like i have a child lock on mine now yeah i'm not i have two border collies they yeah. know how to open the damn trash and, and it's like a there's no it's a pull out yeah trash bin and it's only got a little like nub a nub have they ever figured they, that out they know how to they know how to open it so yeah yeah it's scary and well i'm happy wow i would never have thought know. of that yeah so when I get home from the ER and find that my dog's in the trash, gone to the trash, and I go drive right back to the <laughs> ER that I came from, I'm like here to make my dog vomit. <laughs> um, and another one is obviously dog fights or animal fights, animal, animal on animal damage to each other. You've seen a couple of those photos as well from the ER, intestines hanging out, shredded. It's Obviously, you know, the internal damage is higher than 90% of a chance for it to survive. Like, it, there's some damage that you can't get back. Like, I think I should sent you a video of a dog with its neck torn right open, and you can yeah. see its juggler vein. That dog survived, but it took months, months on months of very expensive expensive treatment and care that dog was hospitalized oh, sure. for half that time too and hospitalization at a hospital is expensive on its own i think it's like two grand a day and i don't even want to i don't want to think about that because that makes me sick to my stomach um but you know sometimes some <laughs> some of that damage is irreversible and you gotta say goodbye just sort of accept a lot of times those animals... Accept the terms and conditions for what they are. Yeah. A lot of times emergency euthanasias, those animals are already hooked up to oxygen. They're not awake. They're on their way out almost. It's more of a, like a chance for you to say goodbye and then for us to help the pet pass more comfortably almost. Wow, we're weird when I think about that where, where we almost like... Like in the wild, in the wild, if I was a wild cheetah and I had <laughs> and I had cheetah babies, and my cheetah baby, cheetah babies died, I wouldn't you're necessarily grieve them. I, no, because you're we, an animal. We, <laughs> sorry, my <laughs> cat's going nuts right now. Okay, Tucker, but we're so different. We're on wow. a different level. Of how we process stuff. Um, so depending on the situation of the emergency, um, some situations you're allowed to say goodbye. Sometimes your pet dies while they're trying to save it. That yeah, happens. Like to think that and you we don't even would get like to say goodbye. Delay it like that just to say goodbye. Like Yeah. If you bring your hmm. pet to the emergency for that bad of a situation, be ready 
you know, to, you know, this may be the last time because your pet may die while they're trying to save your save it or while they're trying to do CPR while the doctor's still talking to you. Um, they obviously will let you see, um, you know, they they go home and we try to save it, but, you know, they're they're prepared for the situation if the pet was to crash. Um, and it's just overall, you know, something to consider is not to keep an animal alive for yourself. That's easier hard. said, easier so said hard. than done. It's very easier said than done. You want to keep that animal alive because you love that animal. You don't want to let go of them. I don't want to let go of my any of my dogs. I know I'm going to have the same issues. I think I think as much as dogs are requiring routine and thriving routine, so do we. We do. And the thought of that routine being disrupted can mess things up. But we also have to keep in in consideration that that animal could potentially be suffering. Mm -hmm. And we need to take that suffering over our own selfishness and put them on a pedestal. Pretty much everybody I know that I've talked to is like, oh, if if I'm like that when I'm old, just kill me. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like, and yet here we are. Struggling. Trying to like delay all this inevitable. Um, And I think a lot of people just like, hold on to the memories of that animal before that animal even passes. Like they want to keep that animal alive because of the memories that they've had together. Um, They're, they're pretty much like blinded almost um, for their love for their animal. And that's why like having a console or even having family members give you their opinion from outside the perspective or fans, they can really like wake you up because they'll be like, you know, tell you the situation and then you look back at your dog and you're like, oh shit, I'm doing this to my animal and it's ready to go. Yeah, you might think you're doing the best you can and then... You realize the best you can is actually euthanasia. Yeah. And I, I think it's so very hard to come to that realization and to do that for us. And to know you're right. To, to feel if confident. That you're right. I don't feel like you're ever going to feel confident. You're not. Because a lot of times when people want their pet to die at home, they don't want to take away that opportunity for that animal to be like, they don't want to take away its life because they think it, they don't want to cut their life short. But keeping in mind that if that animal is suffering, you're not keeping, like, the life isn't shortened. It's, the life is prolonged and it's suffering now. And I, like, I struggled with this because my significant other had a rabbit and he did not want to euthanize him, but that rabbit was ready for almost a year before you put him down. And I, it, it was... An issue. I told him I wasn't gonna get involved with it anymore because I didn't. I wasn't comfortable with the rabbit still being alive at this point because its feet was prim- The feet were so raw. The thing was ancient. He had eye issues, and none of like I don't know if it's just like his family lifestyle, but none of them wanted to let go of this rabbit, and. I'm like, I understand you don't want to cut his life short, but he's suffering. And if you're not going to take my opinion for it, I'm not going to, you know, be a part of it because it's hurting me right. seeing this. And I eventually the rabbit passed on his own and 
I wasn't comfortable still with this. And it's it just, you know, it didn't sit right with me because that rabbit literally suffered until his death. And I think that speaks volumes to people when they realize it. Yeah, because everybody wants to pass in their sleep peacefully. Nobody wants to die. Exactly. And impaled the case, by a spike. I know. No one. <laughs> it just sucks because I'm like, yeah. that's not the case. No one, not everyone passes in their sleep. Even when they're passing in their sleep, they're still going through something. Mm-hmm. They're still feeling a little of something. You know, you're taking away that opportunity where they don't have to feel pain. And if you, I like I mentioned before, they don't think of the future. So they're feeling the present. They're feeling that they hurt yesterday. So they're not going to want to walk today. And then today comes and they're feeling today. And they're still thinking about yesterday and today. And where if I keep walking, I'm going to be hurting. They don't want to do it. And I think, you know, as much as we love an animal, I think we need to start thinking of them before they start to struggle, before they start to suffer. I think humane euthanasia is always the best option for when it's necessary. You know, looking at that chart, weigh the pros and cons. Looking at the chart, think of the good and bad days. Don't just be like, if it's eating, it's fine. Look at all those other things on that chart. And yet, as simple as that is, it's so hard. It's so hard. I'm just I know thinking it's hard. it through my head, not even of my dog, but I'm thinking of, like, because I know you're listening, Boston and Boston's mom. Like, I can just picture her. This is such a tough. It's so tough. It's such a tough decision and It's timing. extremely tough. And I, I've almost gone numb. Oh. I don't want to say I'm numb to it, but I want to say I'm used to it at this point, where at this point I'm okay when I real I see the signs and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. When I put down my first dog, I was, it was a family dog, but it was my dog. Um, and I think I was probably 12. And I'm like, mom, it's time. I, I saw the facts when I was that young that I knew she was ready to go. And um, my mom respected that and, we did it in home euthanasia. And then my next, our next family dog, King, big, massive, mastiff. The first one, the Doberman? Yes, Sheila. Princess Sheila. <laughs> um, King, uh, he, you know, what sucks is he was all there mentally until the very end. However, he had a nasal tumor and could not breathe. Hmm. So... To confirm it was a tumor or if there was something else going on that we could treat or try to fix, we did an MRI and that confirmed the nasal tumor and him being 13, 14 at this point for a mastiff that's 170, 60 pounds. It's just not logical. So while he was, his mind was still intact and his breathing, you know, has declined, we decided to take him home for one more day with us and then go back for euthanasia and then the next day. Theoretically, could have lived two, three, four. Potentially. Right, but... Potentially, so, so, but he couldn't breathe. He. Yeah, so do you... 
Dogs and breathe through their nose naturally. So from birth, they're breathing mm-hmm. through their nose. You don't see a dog walking around breathing through his mouth 24-7. They pant when they're, you know, very, like, out of breath from, you know, exercise, play. Just like us. But <laughs> naturally, when they're at rest, they do not breathe through their mouth. So, therefore, he was trouble breathing because they're not going to naturally just start panting um, unless exercise. Um, so, sleeping, we were worried about him suffocating to death. Hmm. The tumor grew over the course of, like, two months, and we treated, we thought, maybe antibiotics, maybe he has respiratory infection. We, you know, did diagnostics. We did x-rays. It got up to the point where we did MRIs, which are, like, three grand. And it's very expensive, but we wanted to get down. This was more like if he has... We got to figure out what's going on or his quality of life is not comparable at this point to keep him alive. And obviously, I personally had to know what was going on with him before I made that decision. Because if it wasn't something that was treatable or it was something that was treatable, why would I put him to sleep? And then at his age, at his size and the size of the tumor at this point and where it's located... You know, surgery wasn't an option. Mm. And instead of, you know, just being like, euthanize him there, I took him home. We had one more good day together, and we took him back. And that's um, like my, that's what I'm fearing, though. It's that last day. It's always the last day. Especially knowing it's the last, I don't. I almost prefer a last day because you get a chance to grieve over it. You get that last day to give them something a little special. No, I want the last day, but yeah. oh, that's going to be... Hu- s- it's hard. Like... Euthanasia itself is ju- I can't <laughs> imagine... No, no, what's going to be the worst is the drive to the, the vet. Oh, yeah. It is. And the drive home without anything in your car. And No, that's it's not... I haven't even gotten that far yet. <laughs> I haven't even gotten that far yet. I'm still stuck at... Driving to the vet. At... At, like, when people go and, like, oh, we went and got, make, like, we did all these, like, knowing this is my last time bringing you to Stoddard's or this is, I can't get past that point right That's now. That's why I kind of like in-home euthanasias because they come to you and you don't have to bring, you don't have to dr- make that drive. Mm-hmm. They come to you, your pet's comfortable. Um, some will even do like locations like parks and stuff like that. So their last memories is at the park, you know, having good day, you know, give them that last good memory, you know, that's probably what I'd want is for her to, it doesn't even have to be stars. It could be any place that she loves her favorite place or her favorite thing. Like, because as a human, it's always like, oh, well, shit. If I'm gonna die, I might as well die doing something I love. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? Well, same with her, right? Like exactly. Go, go, go do that thing one more time. Go find a huge field full of sheep. There <laughs> you go. Wow. I know it's hard things to talk about, and you're giving me too much to think about. You wanted this topic, <laughs> and you got the topic. This is a lot. This it's is, a lot to process. Because I've never done this. I don't have any. 
like I said, it was, hey, we don't. already put her to sleep. Sorry. So, right. like, this is. It's a lot to process. And there are grief counseling groups, too. There's a lot of things with dogs humans. I've done and I've learned and I've known. And this is something that is so in the future that. Oh, I feel you. Um, oh. There are grief counseling groups for people who put down their pets. Um, a lot of um, places will offer it. Uh, it's something to consider, especially if you're struggling. Um, I find, you know, going there and just listening to other people's memories and you sharing your own memory and your struggles. It doesn't even have to be about your pet. Just going there and listening or going there and just talking about your day, what's changed in your day, you know, can really help people a lot. Um, I know people are going to be like, it's just an animal. But, you know, to you. Not all of us. I know, not all of us. <laughs> to, you, to the owner, the actual owner, it's not just an animal. To the person who's suffering, it's not just an animal. That was their best friend. That was their only friend. That was, you know, their soulmate, their heart dog. That was their heart animal. You know, that animal was there for them when they go went through all this traumatic experience over their life. It's been their, you know... Half their life, some of these animals live to 20, and you're only, like, 26. Like, yep. you, it's a lot to go through, and it's a lot to process. And I think there's, we're very lucky that we have grief groups that offer that support, that understand if you're going through something like that, that there's other people who understand it, and you don't have to go to someone, and they're going to be like, it's just a dog. It's just a cat. It's just a bird. Like there's some there's other people who get it and understand it and are willing to be there for you because of it. Crazy how much of an impact animals that change our lives. Can just they change our lives and it's for the better. I feel if you take advantage and make their lives the best, they return it and make your lives the best. Yeah. All right, you've left me <laughs> with too much to think about. So, <laughs> woo. I know, it's a lot. That's heavy. Mm. Hopefully something lighter next week, maybe. It's very heavy, <laughs> yeah. Um, Dan, do you have anything, any last mind blowers? Or? <laughs> Not off the top of my head, but I'm sure All right. we'll think of things. And if anyone has questions, concerns, obviously yeah. we're always here to answer them. And um, Otherwise, we'll see you next week. All right. Well, thank you and... Good night. Good night.